You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. And tonight we're talking about Quentin Tarantino's sixth film, Inglorious Bastards. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. the podcast uh <laughs> i'm brian elkins with me tonight uh, mr wahid alkalazmi hello uh and we're talking uh, quentin tarantino's sixth film inglorious bastards uh, and i'm back with my favorite director bitches wow. oh wow you're just you're just going out there naming <laughs> this just, year yes your favorite director my number one favorite director no yes, is that I'm all excited. time or are you talking like current well, I'm 31, so I guess all time, <laughs> all time of my 31 years. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it can change in five years, but right now he still is number one, man. Yeah, it's weird how that happens, right? Yeah, somebody comes out and yeah. Again, I got to bring up Denis Villeneuve. I mean, he's just a new talent, man. I've dude, you know. he's he's in my top ten. I fucking love the shit out of him. He's not new. I mean, that motherfucker was like 20 years to have a overnight success, you know. Well, I know, but you know, like. I, I guess I, I get it. he's like new, new to be new, a favorite, yeah. fa- you know, one of my favorite directors. Yeah. I think you have to do at least you yeah. know, three or four movies. Yeah, I mean, and like you know, but to his credit, the, this guy just goes and does you know like two or three movies, and then all of a sudden, like he's actually known in the American pop culture. Like his name is known. Do you get what I'm saying? Like very yeah. few directors accomplish that. You know, Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. Obviously, you know, we got the we got the greats. Obviously, you know, we got the Steven Spielbergs and the Martin Scorsese's and all those guys. But I'm um, talking about like Michael Bay immediately had a name right after Bad Boys. Um, you know, uh, Zack Snyder after 300. I mean, like where just a dumb Joe Schmo that does not know shit about movies is not a cinephile or any of that. Of like knows these guys fucking's name, you know? Yeah, so, and and Tarantino is one of them. Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Bring those guys are like very you know music video um, commercial background. Yeah. Whereas Quentin Tarantino, he he was one of those like early '90s uh, indie filmmakers. Yeah. That yeah. along the, with the, like Sodenberg, you know, the, I think the, the U.S. The dogma movement. You know. Uh, <laughs> what? What? No. What? no I I I, I, I kind of call it that. You know. I mean, I know they didn't have they didn't sit together and fucking like make rules and all that shit. But you know, I call it that. It's like. <laughs> 
It, it's in that waveform of indie filmmakers. They're like, got money, got to do fucking films for the love of the films, and they turn out to be like the most fun, enjoyable, fucking badass films out of that decade. Oh yeah, yeah. You I know, mean, Tarantino and Sodenberg are extremely yeah. knowledgeable. Yeah. Oh my god. Dude. Yeah, they're like fucking walking encyclopedias about movies. Yeah, yeah. Very intimidating with their knowledge. You know, when they say something, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You listen. Yeah, yeah, you pay yeah, attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost biblical. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like yeah. Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments. Well, I mean, Tarantino will just like in an interview, like so offhandedly mention a title, and you're like, I've never even heard anybody say the name of that movie before. Yeah. Uh, listening to an interview, I feel like you get some homework. Yeah. Right there, it's like, okay, I got some movies to watch. Yeah. Some uh, of them you can't fucking find. I don't know how he finds some of he them. He has a lot of money and he bought. He, it'd <laughs> he be buys like someone asks, yeah, and someone asks her, like, what do you collect? And he's like, uh, 16 and 35 millimeter films. <laughs> They're like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, I literally fucking find films that I just watched maybe when I was a kid on TV or VHS, and I'll just fucking have someone go find them for me on a 16 millimeter or 35, and I'll buy them. <laughs> That's what I collect, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was reading some great quote with him where he was like, Film collecting, it's you know, it, it, it's kind of like a drug habit. He's like, you know, when you get into DVDs and Blu-rays, that's you know, that's like smoking grass. He's like, man, when you get into collecting film prints, you're like just straight up doing heroin. Then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, dude. I mean, th- this guy apparently has like a fully on like uh, room crazy, r- like r- room control, like temperature room control, fucking place where he like houses all that shit. You know, he has his own theater where he curates movies. I don't like, know if he still does, but he used to have the pussy wagon. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used mean, to be sitting out front in his yard. How awesome is that shit? You know, how awesome <laughs> is it for you to imagine a character? You know, imagine all the props that this character is going to interact with. End up making it. This thing becomes like a pop culture icon, and then you own the actual fucking vehicle from the film that you created in your fucking head like seven, eight years before that. Yeah, everybody's dude. That is live, fucking though. badass. <laughs> Hey, what, 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 where's Quentin Tarantino? Oh, it's uh, uh, the, the pussy, pussy wagon, wagon house. house. <laughs> yeah, just go there. Find the pussy wagon. Uh, what does that mean? Oh, you'll, you'll know it when you see it, buddy. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's bright. It's yeah. yellow. You're not going to yeah. miss it. Yeah, and it belonged to Buck at some point. <laughs> Who likes to fuck? <laughs> it blends, buddy. Uh, well, this this was kind of a, um, a bigger movie, though, in Tarantino's que- uh, career. He got a, a really big budget, and he was working with um, big ass a huge star. Yeah, yeah, man. Brad Pitt was... Really big, and two. Well, I mean, he's still big he's now. Still is big now, yeah. Yeah, but in two thousand nine, yeah, and I then, feel like he did no wrong. But then he still did the did the quintessential fucking Quentin Tarantino thing. He plucked this unknown actor and gave us fucking Christoph Waltz, like. Yeah, well, I you know he was unknown to America, man. I don't give a fuck what I was. Like, he was a great actor. Oh no, no, I was like, dude, no I one didn't. knew who the fuck he was before this. This film. is the first time I ever saw. Yeah, that. no international audience knew the who the fuck this guy was until this film. Yeah, period. It's just like John Travolta when he was like dying and fucking washed out. I think the next thing I saw him in was the Green Hornet, though. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but you know what, dude? Come on, man. You, you you know you finally like you finally make it to America as a foreign actor, which is really hard to fucking do. It's five six times harder than making as an actor no, in America. Yeah, yeah, and then true. like you know someone comes in and is like, hey, we'll pay you a couple of million dollars to be in the Green Green Hornet. You know? Fuck yeah, I'll take that shit. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, fuck you, man. He did Spectre, all right? I don't I do not blame him for the Green Hornet what? because it's Spectre like was great. Dude, that was a fucking shitty ass film. What a waste of talent he was in in that film. We uh, are not rehashing. I'm I'm totally rehashing it. I think this is my third time on this podcast man, fucking I'm, giving shit to Spectre. Man, that film really fucking 
Are you drunk after Monk. after like a quarter of that beer right now? Nope, there? I'm not drunk, man. This is just oddest. <laughs> I hate that fucking film. Watched it the other day again just to like, oh man, you know, maybe oh, it's man. like The Witch, you know, maybe I need to watch it again. Watch The Witch again. Fucking still hate that film. What is and wrong I with you, man? I still hate Spectre, man. Spectre has one of the greatest James Bond openings, and then everything else goes to shit. Oh, dude, the, the, the witch was like, oh, man. That the witch w- sucks. Oh, man. Dude, don't, 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 don't get me started. You know, I'm scared <laughs> to watch that movie a third time. It disturbs me that bad. It, man, it sits with me for such a long time. I cannot get man, it out I don't of my know. brain. Maybe I'll go have kids or what? I don't know. I can't fucking relate to that film. I just fucking hate it. I don't think it's, you know, no, man. What? No. It's, it's incredibly technically well done film, but everything else sucks about it. I just wanted more. I wanted more. What? Yeah, dude. All right, well, back to Glorious Yeah, Masters. let's not get back into a witch. Tarantino. Come on. Yeah, 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 the yeah, witch man. is a great movie. You're right, insane. Right, it's right, at our right, show right, open. Right, it's amazing. All right. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> back to this. There's a reason I've been hiding away from you guys. Oh, <laughs> man. Talking smack about the witch. Uh, Back to Quentin Tarantino and Inglorious Bastards. All right, yes. Uh, so we, we were talking about Christoph Waltz. He is... He's Dalman. Man, he, he is, he's amazing in this. He won you know, the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. His first of two. The second, of course, was for Django and Shane. Uh, Tarantino's Fuck me, man. Yeah, next movie. <laughs> like, right after this. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, hey, we're just bowling here. Hey, man. We're this was it out of the pot. Inglourious Bastard was his highest grossing film as director. And then Django Unchained broke that. I mean, that's that, that's a fucking good track record. Those those were a few good years for him, right? Back to back. Until he did, like, Hateful Eight. So. Uh, well, I mean, Hateful Eight had a lower budget, though. It did. It you had know. 70. I think he made, like, 300 or 400 back. But it was not... No, I, I, dude, I think the budget for that was like under fifty. Was it? I, th- I thought it was seventy. Yeah, because be they, you know, they kept the the star power because you know you got Kurt Russell, Samuel Jackson. There's no like you know Brad Pitt, DiCaprio, so yeah. they were able to keep it. Because I know like Django and Shane had a budget that was like a hundred million. That was like his biggest. Yeah, well, and of yeah. course his new movie. Uh, was it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? He's got Brad Pitt, DiCaprio, and like a bunch of other like staples from his films, like uh, Tim Roth. Yeah. And I think that's going to have a budget over $100 million, so. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, dude, all those actors are worth their fucking weight in gold, man. I mean, yeah. Like, they're fucking fantastic actors, especially with the dialogue he writes, man. That's what he, he spends them. his money on. I yeah, think. man. Like, dude, I mean, you know, this guy still delivered, like, you know, like when you see, you know, Pulp Fiction, right? You know, that was a $7 million budget. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, it was so fucking well done. It's just as well done as, as this one. He's just fucking fantastic. You know, he, he's a horrible actor. Fantastic director. He, dude, okay, I, the big, the most insane piece of trivia when I was going through the behind the scenes that I found out about this movie yeah. was that when he wrote the Aldo Rain role, that the role that Brad Pitt yeah. plays in the film, he was originally going to cast himself in it. I'm glad he did not. <laughs> right? Like, how bad of a mistake <laughs> that would that have been? That would have been really bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, dude, come on. I can't, I can't, I can't not have Brad Pitt's face. In uh, voice in this film, dude, come on! Like this, the Brad Pitt made this film, and I think this is one of Brad's fucking best films ever. Man, I would say Brad Pitt's probably the weakest thing. He, oh, dude, I mean, yeah, you put you put him against of Christoph- the main supporting cast. Dude, I think he's the weakest. You man. put him against Michael Fassbender and Christoph Waltz. Like yeah. he's not, you know. Like I'm gonna be honest with you. Like e- even like B J Novak, who had like six lines in this fucking film. You know, he he wrote The Office, the TV show The Office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even next to him, he, I, like Brad Pitt is not like a phenomenal actor, but he's such a charismatic actor that like it makes you enjoy just watching. He's like that pretty dumb guy that you love watching on camera <laughs> because like he just has good delivery, man. He just he really does, you know. Well, I think he's a little bit better. That, that description like calls to mind like Channing Tatum. 
Like he looks, he looks dumb. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but he's extremely handsome yeah. guy. But Brad Pitt, like he has range, he, man. Yeah, he, he has range. He he does the twelve monkeys role. You know, Dude, he yeah. he goes a little outside of the box. And I guess Chan has Chan Tatum done something like that yet? I don't know. I I don't think I've seen I, I a movie mean, with I, him. I, I think his closest one was in uh, fucking Hateful Eight of him like being a little different than what he's usually been yeah casting, i get you know? yeah and again quentin tarantino just brings it out of those actors man that's true i, I you know I, I forgot he was in that movie oh what yeah yeah he was the brother man what the fuck the whole the whole reason the whole mess of that whole fucking film is because of him <laughs> like the plot i mean uh, yeah i forgot i didn't i didn't yeah 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 I did right. forget so what, what what's what's your beef with quentin tarantino Tell I don't our have, audience. You have yeah, you were telling me before we started this podcast. No, no, you I don't. Had a beef with him. I, I don't have a beef with. Well, you have Quentin a beef Tarantino. with people have, that support him. No, no, not beef with people. I have a beef with uh, certain film critics uh-huh. that throughout their career have just given Tarantino all this praise. And uh, again, it's like totally deserved. Yeah, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the the praise they're giving him, but. It's just kind of bullshit when you when you look at that praise and then that praise turns to negative comments when it's applied to a director like Brian De Palma when he's 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 doing the same thing but he he's doing it 20 years before Quentin Tarantino and you know what maybe maybe it's that time difference what were once considered B movies are now part of mainstream and what is considered A pictures now mm-hmm. what Hollywood's putting most of the money in or maybe it's um I don't know maybe it's that Tarantino is referencing more obscure films mm-hmm. than Brian De Palma ever did because every everyone that goes into a film history class studies Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. You know, not every film class you're going to touch on a spaghetti western and you're going to even go through Sergei Leone. No, fuck no, they won't. Not you know? in America. So I think maybe that has something to do with it, but it, it, it does irritate me. Would you tell him that to his face? If, if somehow I was able to get you Quentin Tarantino on this podcast right now. He, he would probably right agree with, with me because I know he's a fan of Brian De Palma because he rips off Brian De Palma's sh- – he's ripped off a lot of his shots. His, um, yeah, yeah. Especially like a lot of his split diopter shots. Like some yeah. of those are like from Blowout. I'm not – see, I don't think that that though is a knock. I do not see that as a criticism. I love Brian De Palma and Quentin Tarantino. I love what both of those these guys do as filmmakers. Yeah. I think they're both terrific filmmakers. I have a problem with the critics picking and choosing when it's a problem <laughs> for them. That's bullshit. But, you know, critics are like film teachers for me. Those who can't do teach and those who can't make films become critics. No, no, but see, that's not what a, that's not what a good film critic does. You look at somebody like Pauline Kael or, you know, even Roger Ebert. You know, oh my God! Fuck Roger Ebert. No, yeah. no, man, no. Roger Ebert was a good. Even even if you did not agree with his review, he he would always make you think, and probably if he didn't like the movie, probably make you laugh a little bit too. Eh, fuck him. No, man, and, no, and he, every single fucking critic out there. In a way, we're kind of being critics right now with the podcast. So fuck us. No, too. I love but, film you know. criticism. <laughs> no, I, I I think film criticism is great. I love it, man. I love it. I just I just don't think you But you should, should be become, more well informed, you, you know. You should you should never become a film critic or someone in my opinion that like sits there and dissects movies as a uh, as a critic with a critical eye if you've never made one yourself. I just I've made one, you've made one. I've made actually many more than just one. Roger Ebert made one. Uh in what? In in, in what? NYU fucking school? No, man. He uh I think he wrote um the beyond uh, the uh fuck I forget the name of it, but I'm pretty sure he fucking wrote I'm not making this shit up. Yeah. I may have to Google it later. <laughs> we may have to Google put that shit in the show notes because if it is the film I'm thinking you're talking about, 
again, fuck him and fuck every critic there is. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking well, again. Like look, I, I swear to God, man. But what uh, like that critics? Your point just, though. Yeah. He's, you know, he's done it. No. No, that does not fucking count. Well, look, hey, you didn't say it had much, to be good. So, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Do just, shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose my words carefully next time. And, and I'm you just know, like unless you've directed a good movie. <laughs> no, that's not. Oh uh, well, but, that puts me and you out of the picture then. Yeah, yeah we can't fucking make podcasts <laughs> anymore. Uh, I swear Aww. to God, whoever's listening to podcasts right now is hitting that. Like, especially if they have an iPhone, they're hitting that 15 second forward button right now. They're like, skip, 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 skip. No, bitch, I, I'm about to like finish loading, mowing my lawn. Man, I, and I, <laughs> get I, to the I, film. I, I do always love like uh, Quentin Tarantino, like how he engages with his critics. Like when somebody has a problem, I always uh, what was the what was the issue that all the critics had with Django Unchained? There was um. I forget what the the big thing was. It was something with Christoph Waltz's character. Like, oh, why did he shoot like DiCaprio or something? Didn't they have a problem with that? I think the the coin phrase around that time was uh, revisionist history. Like, oh, you know, with Inglorious Bastards, you end up killing Hitler, and with this one, you have a white man that befriends a black man, teach him how to bounty hunt, and then he's like killing Leonardo DiCaprio. Who's a, it's unrealistic. Yeah, I think that was the, a little bit of the backlash. I'm not entirely certain, again, because I don't give two flying fucks about yeah, critics and I don't read their fucking reviews uh, for any film. I just watch the trailer. I'm like, oh, this looks good. I'm going to go watch it. And I just don't fucking listen to critics. But um, who the fuck does, by the way? I think like grandpa age listens to fucking critics and read their reviews. No, man. I, I read critic reviews all the time, dude. Fucking point prove it, grandpa. <laughs> what? No. I mean, what do you want? Fuck no. that shit, man. Dude, I, I, not a single thing like Variety gives it five out of five makes me want to fucking go see a film. Dude, like, that, you know, that has nothing to do with me wanting to see a film. I don't give two flying fucks. All that shit is catered for all the internal Hollywood bullshit. Like, it's not. Half the fucking mass population out there don't even know what fucking Variety is. Or what Hollywood Reporter is. They don't give a fuck. They just see a trailer like, oh, this looks good. I'm going to go see it. And they just go see it. Or yeah. they're like, oh, I'll just wait till it comes on Netflix or I'll go bootleg it. This is not the fucking 80s. No one's fucking buying the papers and sitting there reading what the fucking critic wrote about this fucking Man, I, review. I, dude, I, I think you're being a little hard on film criticism. I, do, I think film criticism is extremely important. Uh-huh. D- discussion, discussions of film is, is like, you know, like I think that's one of the most important and and the best part of going to like what do you do when you go see a movie you want to talk to somebody about it right yeah to my buddies but i'm not influencing mass amount of fucking people whether to go see a film or not to see it no you're not no that's not the job like they're just giving you their opinion and it should be an informed opinion with some history and some film knowledge based on the movie yeah it used to be that way but nowadays they're like oh don't go see this film and waste your money I'm like bitch what who gives you a right to say that uh, you can what, fucking sit there for eighteen years writing this shit. I don't think I don't think good critics do that, man. Like, all right, well maybe I maybe know. I need to get into my critical thinking of filmmaking, fucking whatever theory bullshit, and like get into all this stuff. Well, man, no, I, I I enjoy reading like you know what smarter people just just watch watch a year from now after my movie comes out. I have a critic that actually likes it. I'm like, oh my god, critics rule! <laughs> like, watch how hypocritical I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, yes, this guy made the money made money for my. Oh, thank you, critics. I love you guys. Oh. You are the best. I take everything I said on this podcast back. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, fuck you. You said that about us. I'm like, but you, did you not listen to the rest of the podcast? <laughs> 
where I told you what I was gonna do. I mean, hello. Uh, oh my all right, goodness! All right, cool. Let's let's. let's I guess <laughs> just seriously, if someone's mowing their lawn and listening to this thing, they're like, "Dude, skip, 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 skip. Come on, get. To, yeah. Let's get to the film." <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I guess we should. Um, th- this is also we've talked about this being like one of the first times most people, the first time I saw Christoph Waltz. Yes, but it was the first time I'd ever seen Michael Fassbender. Yeah, you know what? I know he'd done other movies, but I had not seen them. You know what? Actually, that was the first time I recognized who he is, meaning, like, that was the first time, like, this actor is really good. And then, like, looking up, like, oh, wait, he's been in these two other, three other films that I've seen already, and I just never paid attention to his performance, you know? Uh, Well, it's just like like Quentin Tarantino. I've, I've seen, like, my first introduction to him was when I was 13 years old. When I first immigrated here, uh, and I lived with a, a cousin of our families for like a month, and he's like, "Yeah, you know John Travolta. Uh, he was washed up, and Quentin Tarantino made this film called Pulp Fiction, brought him back, and he played." When I was thirteen. I like, yeah. I like, you know, got bored or whatever it is, walked away. My first real introduction to Quentin Tarantino was uh, Kill Bill Volume One in high school, and I remember my best friend at the time in high school, this girl named Kara, and her and I loved doing two things check out girls together and watch Tarantino films. She like got me back and she was like, yeah, you've seen Pulp Fiction. I'm like, man, that sounds familiar. No. And I watched it. I'm like, oh no, I remember it. But now like I had like a new profound like respect for it. And I would say Michael Fassbender's performance in this was what introduced me to appreciating who Michael Fassbender is. But I was, I was aware of him not by name, by face, I was like, oh, it's that guy. It's like Michael Matson, you know? Uh, 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 AMC did these uh, little series for a while. Like, you know, they're like f- the film starring, oh, hey, that guy that starred in this other film, the guy, like Ray Liotta and Michael Matson, like the people that, you know, actors that general people don't know who they are, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I just like always picked up that quote from, because whoever wrote that promo was fucking brilliant because like, like yeah, it is that guy from that movie that no one remembers their name. <laughs> and, uh, my, you know, F- Fassbender was that for me. That The cast in this, like seriously, everyone. Um, you got Eli Roth in there, which that role was offered to fucking Adam Sandler. <laughs> Adam Sandler first. Um, thank God he didn't take it because he was making funny people. People. So Eli Roth got that film, and he directed the film within the film in this film. Yeah, Nation's Pride. Nation's Pride. And of course, he's the director yeah. himself. Hostel and Cabin Fever. Yeah, right. Uh, Eli Roth at one point was considered for I can't remember which which the Fo- the Fassbender role. Simon Pig and him uh, were considered for that, and then thank God it went to Fassbender. Uh, Fassbender. I really wish Eli Roth wasn't in this either. Was was not in this movie. Why? Man, I'm, I I just he's a really good actor, man. He he is. He and he's been there since. Fuck, he was in. Was he in Reservoir Dogs? No. No. He was in Hell Pulp no. Fiction. He was in Four Rooms. What? No. Eli Roth I'm, is I'm, not. I'm, You're I'm thinking, thinking about, about Tim, Tim Roth. Tim, Tim Roth. Fuck it. The yeah. Roth is, man. You American people with the similar last names. Holy shit. All uh, your Roths. All damn. your Roths. Uh, what? Why, why Eli Roth, man? Why would you wish he wasn't in it? Uh, that, that, they could have gotten somebody as the Bear Jew, man. Man, I actually, I didn't. I, I fucking I thoroughly kn- enjoyed his performance in this. He was fantastic. I know what they were going for, like, and you know, and that, that's something I do want to want to touch on in this movie. I, I, I think it's weird with the like the theme. Well, it's not weird, but I think it's interesting with the themes of like propaganda and rumors and things. Yes, love it. But alternative history, kill Hitler. It, well, Spoiler alert. Not only that, but I mean, like, he, like he. When I say he, Tarantino goes out of his way, like every character is presenting either, like, a false facade or they're using some kind of, like, fear tactic or scare tactic, and they become, like, a legend 
they all reveal, like, even later in the movie, there's a line of dialogue where they call that out to be, like, you know, their nicknames that each one of the Inglorious Bastards got. It's yeah, yeah. not exactly true. Like, you know, the little man. He's yeah. not really that little. Yeah, yeah. I know, but what does that have to do with Eli Roth being cast as Jew Bear? Well, it's because Eli Roth is not, when you say bo- Jew Bear. I'm thinking of Eli Roth. I would not. Who he would does you not look like a bear to me at all. He's not a Dude, giant, he gained, like, big fucking forty pounds in it. But that's the thing; it's the fucking misconception of who they are. That's what I'm saying. He played into it, so that that goes with it. But I mean, I, I, I wish they had gotten a different actor. And I, I oh, I, just, I do you don't know. like him because he has a face you want to punch. That's what it is. I mean, he <laughs> definitely does have a face <laughs> that everyone wants to punch. <laughs> you just don't like it because of that. Eli Roth, you have a face. <laughs> Even a mother would punch. Yeah, but no. I love, I do, I love every single thing that fucker does, man. And just the fact that he's collaborating with fucking Quentin Tarantino, and like Quentin Tarantino sees how amazing this guy is. Dude, fuck, dude, that well, guy. Well, they'd worked together before in the Grindhouse. I know, I know, I know they did, but I'm not. I mean, like he was in a, he's in a way a uh, quote unquote protege of him. He's not in protege in the sense of like. You know, Quentin Tarantino discovered him, whatever, but he's... Quentin Tarantino presents hostile, man. Yeah, you know, and, like, because it's fucking well-deserved, man. And, like, props to Quentin Tarantino for finding young talent like that and, like, promoting him. And, you know, props to fucking Eli Roth, man. When he when he made his first film, dude, no one fucking wanted to fuck with this dude. No one. No one wanted to fuck with this dude. And he makes this fucking film and, uh, what's it, Cabin Fever. And, like, you know, yeah, independent. And, like, dude, it makes a shit ton of money. It was an enjoyable fucking horror flick. I remember seeing it when I was in high school. I'm like, God damn, I have not seen good movies, good horror films like this in a while, you know? Because at that point, Saw was coming out and everything else wanted to kind of like be like that. Do you know what I'm saying? And this was like completely different and had like funny fucking liners in there and made you laugh and made you like fucking like root for some of the characters to die because they were so annoying. Like It does have this guy some... Knows his form- it does have some frat boy douchey humor in it. It does, it does. But, but that's the point. That, that was what I'm saying is like Eli Roth comes from the cloth that Quentin Tarantino comes from, which is like I appreciate these films growing up with them. This was my childhood. This was this. These were my influences. And you take all that stuff and you make your own unique thing out of it. And that's Eli Roth. That's why I loved him in this film. And we'll get to talking about this. Is going to be a long fucking podcast. It's going to be like two and a half hours, man. <laughs> What? We've no. been talking for like 30 minutes. Um, but, dude, I, that's why I loved Eli Roth, man. And I loved him in this fucking film. I loved the fact, I loved Quentin Tarantino even more that he picked up Eli Roth for this. He, although he does have a face he want to punch. <laughs> I don't know, man. He, he's, he's not one of my, my favorite things in the movie. Um, but, yeah, the, the ladies were good ooh, Diane uh, Kruger and Melanie Laurent. Laurent. Uh, <laughs> French Dude, and German uh, Well I guess Yes yeah. German and French actresses Yeah Respectively She's fucking fantastic man No dude The women in this film Were fucking fantastic um, Dude everyone like, no, There's no real star In this film there, Just everyone is a star The whole ensemble Like this is one of those Very rare films That the entire ensemble cast Is the fucking star of the film yeah, I, f- I feel like Melanie Laurent, Laurent. Laurent's character. Laurent. She she is the heart and soul of the movie yeah. for me, though. Like, I feel like that's she that's is. the part she, that she is. I'm I'm more I'm more uh, and not to interrupt you, sorry, but yeah, like Tarantino. I'm I'm I'm, I'm more I'm more attached to her storyline than anyone else because you know Kristoff's character, you know, um, um, what's his name, uh, Landa, uh, Hans, Hans, Hans Landa. Lando, 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 Lando. Um, Lando. You love him because of the actor. But you hate every despicable act the character does. <laughs> you know, yeah. Lieutenant Aldo Ray, you're like, you love it because you're like, man, that's my uncle right here down the south. 
<laughs> like going down there. He's from Appalachia, you know. Like we're running uh, moonshine around in uh, Tennessee. Man. Yeah, exactly. You know the bear Jew, all those like different characters. Like what's the German guy's name that comes in and end up with them? Uh, um, oh, I forget. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, yeah, dude. You know he 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 like dude. All the fucking characters. Like Omar was fucking great in that. You know, like it's just it was a fucking great movie, man. This is one of my all-time favorite fucking films. I can, like, literally... I, I watched my iTunes count, and, like, this is before I bought... This is not counting the times I've seen it before I bought it on iTunes, but I've seen this film 52 times. Wow. Not counting the times I've seen it outside of me purchasing it on, purchasing it on iTunes where I can actually keep up with how many times I've seen a film. Like, my all-time number one I've seen the most is Amadeus. Really? I've seen it 108 times. 108 times Amadeus Amadeus Life is Beautiful Roberto Benigni's film After that Is 98 What the fuck We're gonna Look You've watched Life is Beautiful That much And you're talking To me about The fucking witch Cinema Paradiso 96 times Oh that's a good one Yeah Cinema Paradiso Milena I can see why close to sixty. That. That's a lie. Uh, Dude, fucking Melina's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's yeah, a great movie. That's a great. It's movie. a little excessive though for Melina. Uh, dude, I I had I had a similar circumstance oh, when I was growing up about an older lady that lived next door to us. Oh and, wow. Uh, okay. Melina you can, say, you can start. This is, uh, <laughs> this is actually personal. This is oh, not the Howard Stern show now. Yeah. One day. One day I'm gonna make a movie where it's. Uh, Actually, the first actress in my film, Scorn, oh, uh, I, I really wanted to uh, make a, a French film with her uh, that was kind of like uh, reminiscent of Milena, but um, in the 60s in France. And uh, the soundtrack will all be like Motown shit, which everyone in Memphis will give me shit about because we're like, oh, really? Motown? Not Stacks? Huh? But um, you know, here, here's why I'm going on this ramble. Um, you know, <laughs> but, but here, here's why. Here's why. Because, like, it's kind of like, this is why. I was letting Tarantino, you go, man. Well, this is why Tarantino is my favorite fucking director. Because, like, from him, I learned, like, don't shy away from using, if you have the money and you have the, you know, you have the proper producers and the studios behind you, don't shy away from fucking using good music. It's like, it's like the equivalent of making a mixtape for a movie. And that's every movie watching it, you know, like, you know, like the whistles from the Kill Bill stuff that, yeah, you know, that's from a 60s fucking film, you know, and I was, when I was growing yeah. up in Jordan in, in the, in the eighties and nineties, dude, we, we would have some like Italian cinema would play, uh, like, you know, movies or whatever it is on TV. And I, I remember I watched that and Kill Bill. I'm like, dude, I know that fucking whistle. I, it took me forever to fucking find it. Right. But like, I found out what film it was from I'm like, yep. I must have seen that fucking film in Jordan because I knew that fucking whistle when I heard it, you know, yeah. that whole thing. And that's what I'm saying. Like, so like, that's why I'm like right now, you know, writing movies in my head or writing them on paper or whatever it is, or like, you know, getting it down. I have a, I have a scratch track of like best of fucking tracks from other movies that I want to put in my movie. And you know what? I don't, I'm not shying away from it. Others are going to like, if I didn't have Quentin Tarantino do that, I would be like, oh, maybe that's selling out. I don't think that way. Well, I don't know if it's selling out. It's just it, he is he's the only filmmaker that I can think of outright that he does take tracks from other movies. Like I think Hateful Eight was the first time he had a, a score done. And even in that film, um, he uses just pieces of the thing. Yeah. That Maricone, um 
and they stick out, you know. But I'll, I'll let him do it because there's Kurt Russell. Dude, yeah, but <laughs> that was a great choice. There was nothing wrong with that. It's fucking amazing, man. It's I mean, no, but, like, I mean, it but brings it's different from Martin Scorsese. We're like Martin Scorsese's using you know pre-existing music like the Rolling Stones, Stones or and, Queen or the or Who. Or, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, he's going. Yeah, but you know, and there. you know, we're, and, talking, we're talking about Martin Scorsese right now. Yeah, you can see like Quentin Tarantino taking a shit ton of influence from him. Exactly. But he's making his own style, man. That's what makes it cool. Like he's like, dude, yes, this guy, I loved every. Everything he did, and I want to fucking replicate some of those things in mind, like the voiceovers and the freeze frames. There's nothing wrong with that. He's not stealing it. He will literally steal scenarios out of scenes and put it in his own movie, but it's within the context of what those characters are going through. You know, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to have a conversation of like what Quentin Tarantino does is theft or not. Personally, I don't think it is. It's 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 a love and like when people go in and be like, oh yeah, there's a fine line between homage and theft, and, and maybe there is. I don't know. I I don't know who to who to say that. It's not like he's completely ripping off one movie. No, he's ripping off like eighteen, which makes him a genius. Well, no, he's, <laughs> he's ripping off like you know like that. Uh, like a hundred and like using like soundtracks from like, like there's a, a, a music cue from fucking cat people. The David Bowie song is from fucking cat people from 1980. And then there's like a Burt Reynolds, like a, what is it? The white lightning. Who the fuck? And then it's got like all that Maricone uh, spaghetti Western music. And, and then the shots all over the map. Yeah, I know, but it may, that's what makes it him. And yeah, there's a lot of like German ripoff shots. Like uh, the theater scene at the end has got to be an homage to um, Metropolis. Yeah. But you know what? It looks fucking fantastic. This is his best yeah. shot film, by the way. And I thought Kill Bill was like the best thing ever. This is his best shot film. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better than Django. I don't know, dude. I'd have to go back and, and rewatch it. The cinematographer is uh, Richardson. Um, fuck. Uh, Oliver Stone's DP. I am drawing a blank on his name, and that is a crime. But he's the guy who shot uh, Casino, and man, he shot of like Oliver Stone's movies, all the ones that are worth a damn anyway. Robert Richardson. There we go. Damn. Oh, he did The Aviator. That's the other uh, Scorsese. You yeah, so you see, you wonder pop from Scorsese, you hired this DP. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I remember in 2008, man, like watching this fucking scene and like just turning to my ex-girlfriend at the time, uh, well, my girlfriend at the time and just going like, I thought I'm going to become a good director. I cannot fucking write dialogue like this or shoot it that way. Like, I, I didn't even think it was 20 minutes because like, I just we just walked in and the film started and it's just it's on that and then like then Shoshana starts running and we're like oh my god dude I, I don't even I didn't even fucking realize we've been sitting here for like 20 minutes just watching this one fucking scene and it's all yep. dialogue and I was not fucking bored and it was so tense and it was like one of the best things I've ever fucking seen in cinema and yes he fucking ripped it off from other movies but I don't give a fuck like you know there's lines in there literally from, from like Sherlock Holmes you know like uh, oh really? like oh yeah yeah like like when Lando takes out the big fucking pipe that he's smoking that's a reference to it and there's a couple of lines in there like where he's like referencing basically himself as Sherlock Holmes but like literally it's verbatim word for word from Sherlock Holmes uh, oh, within wow. the dialogue yeah I but didn't know that. it was like one of the best experiences I ever had dude I left this fucking film man goosebumps everywhere I'm like God damn, I am never going to be this fucking good, but hopefully I'll make films one day and then we like get to meet them because of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, if anything, I would say if you're going to throw a complaint at the movie, the, the one that I agree with the most is if the movie has a problem. It's the first scene is so fucking excellent. The rest of the movie never really lives up to it. I will have to semi-agree except two other scenes. 
they're all they're they're all just as good, all right? And they're just as long. And remember, this film is only one third in English. The rest is in fucking. I'm I'm used to reading yeah. subtitles, so it's, you know it's most spread of that throughout criti- though. Most, but, like but most of that criticism is like really more mainly American because like American fucking people don't just read subtitles. The second scene that is just as intense and just as good, the German cellar scene where like they they go to meet the yeah in the basement in the basement. All right, uh, and then you don't the, fight in the basement. Yeah, right. And then the French um, uh, exchange scene between Shoshana and uh, uh, Lando at the coffee uh, at or the, the cafe. Uh, and, and the cafe with Goebbels and 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 with that German actor who's fucking fantastic. I, who's a German actor in real life? He's a German actor in the film too, but he was a German actor in real life. I forgot his name. He was he was in the Born Identity or sorry the the Born. Uh, yeah, he was in a Civil uh, War too. Uh, yeah, Captain America: Civil War. He was the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, he, he he was in Goodbye Lenin. That was like the film that kind of catapulted him into uh, international stardom. Um, great fucking fil- German film as well. Um, fantastic, fantastic actor. <laughs> Daniel Brawl. Daniel Brawl. Daniel Bro, bro. Yeah, but Daniel Bro, like, you know, that scene. Um, I mean, so yeah, to a certain extent, yes, some other scenes don't live up as much because the first scene was so fucking amazing. But those two scenes to me are like equivalent of it. And, you know, yes, they're all subtitled. But to me, like, I still, because I'm trained to read and watch at the same time because that's how I grew up. That's how the rest of the world grows up. I still, like, felt the intensity of Well, I'm not saying that there's, like, not other scenes that are yeah. not amazing, but it's... That's the first fucking scene of the movie, man. Like that, I know, that's how this movie's open. And it's like, oh my god, if this was where it started, where the fuck are we going? You know, and it <laughs> it ended great too, man. I don't know, like it, I, I mean, it does. They do things that you know you're yeah. not expecting at the end. Yeah. So, so what are we doing now? Are we are we gonna watch a trailer? Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> let's let's take a break. Uh, let's and then are we gonna back spoilers or what are of we doing? Of course, man. That's what we do. How long is this podcast we're, gonna be? We're gonna go through the plot and everything, son. <laughs> Holy chapter shit! By chapter by chapter. Oh fuck! All right. <laughs> Buckle in. Seven hours later. <laughs> Ten hot eyes forward. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I need me eight soldiers. We're going to be dropped into France dressed as civilians. We're going to be doing one thing, one thing only. Killing Nazis. Yes, sir! Members of the National Socialist Party conquered Europe through murder, torture, intimidation, and terror. And that's exactly what we're going to do to them. We will be cruel to the Germans. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. They will find the evidence of our cruelty in the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies their brothers we leave behind us. And the German will not be able to help themselves from imagining the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands, and our boot heels, and the edge of our knives. And the German will be sickened by us. And the German will talk about us. German will fear us. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They need to be destroyed. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. Nine, 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 nine. Sound good? Yes, sir. And we're back. I don't know why I have my Will Arnett voice on right now, but... Ah, uh, man, that's it's a everybody. fucking great trailer, too. Nine, 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 nine. 
Oh yeah, dude. That that that's a trailer I I constantly go to. <laughs> uh, that one and the Star Wars trailer. Yeah, Rogue One. Those are, I think are the best two cut trailers ever. Really? Yeah, yeah. And the Departed. I I really like the uh, Star Trek 09. Yeah, it's a good one. That came out right around. I think it was around the same time as Glorious Bastards. Man, those are both yeah. great trailers. Yeah, man. I know. Triple uh, Nine also is a good trailer. That that it was like I think the first Amazon film. Oh, was it really? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's not a bad movie. I saw. I actually saw that not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I saw it in theaters. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. That's that uh, Hillcoat or whatever. Yeah, uh, no, is, no. John. Like uh, Casey Affleck and oh, the director. Yeah, I yeah. have I have no idea who the fuck directed it, but it had like uh, um, uh, Casey Affleck in it and um, Chuatao Iji Forge. Yes. <laughs> I love saying the dude's name. Chuatao. It's like, man, you got a fucking, fucking badass, badass name, name, right? He's like, like, fuck, my parents suck. They called me Brian. <laughs> I know. Brain. Say and they spelled it with a B R I A N. That's right, dude. Yeah, close to brain. It's, it's with an I, bro. Come Should on. Should be with a Y. No, bro. Come on. Right, old school right. English, all right? Come on. All right, all right. All right, speaking of, speaking of old, this movie does start off in Glorious Bastards with an old Universal logo. Yes. I like that. I like that, too. It was a nice little touch. He always does that shit, though. I mean, like, that's what I love about him. Every single thing from the first frame to the last frame is customized fucking Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I did think it was uh, interesting that he decided to go with um, different fonts yeah. for, the, uh, for the credits. Well, you know you know that the title card itself for Inglorious Bastards is his handwritten... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's the handwritten thing that he did for the, when he finished the script in 2008. And they just like scanned that, and that became like the the movie title card. I don't know. Is that a, is that a nod to uh, Aldo? I mean, it's misspelled. Uh, yeah. <laughs> his his moonshine background. Maybe he didn't get the best education. I and- don't know. I don't know, man. Like every, everyone that said like you know, there's some speculation out there. I don't think it's ever come out of his mouth of why he made that choice. I know. Yeah, that, I've never that seen him. A couple of times that he was asked about it, he's like, "Well, Same. dude, if I tell you about it, it takes the piss out of it." You know, like no, like. Fuck off. I'm not going to tell you why I did that. Aldo um, does have it on his, uh, what is it? It's on his rifle, right? On the butt of his gun. You know, and it was inspired by uh, director Enzo. You don't know, you don't know the guy's direct, the guy's name? The Italian director's name? Oh, they did the original the, Inglorious Bastards? No, I do, I do not know the director's name. What's the director's Enzo, name? Enzo, I'm going to butcher his fucking last name right now. Castellieri. Oh, so you're going to give me that fucked up last name to pronounce? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, nice. it was cool. He, Throw me a bone here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was, I thought, I thought you'd be like, you know, you're, you're a cinephile, cinephile. No, I didn't, yeah, I have never yeah, seen the original yeah. uh, Inglorious Bastards. Actually, I did. I, I, I did. saw a couple of the scenes because they yeah. have it on the, as a special feature on the Blu-ray yeah. where Tarantino picks out certain scenes, but that's all I've seen. Well, you know, for a while there, they had it on um, um, Filmstruck for like a week. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, fuck yes. Fuck, I, I, like, I, 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 I canceled my subscription to Filmstruck. Oh, just, man. You it's should... not worth the money anymore for me. Uh, they don't update it as often. I've already seen half the shit in there. I'm done. Oh, uh, man, dude. They got a great David, David Lean block going on right now. Cat, shut up. <laughs> I just kidding. I love you. You're beautiful. Oh. Font titles aside and opening credits. Yeah. I was surprised Eli Roth, like, I don't know what he pays his agent, but he pays him well because he got fourth fucking billing. He out lasted of his cast. The, he lasted the longest, man. I, I I don't think he's in that much of the movie, but you know, and he's not that he's not a big star and he, he does well, get yeah, fourth he's a billing. director. He's not a fucking actor. I know, it's just crazy. It's like, man, you good job. Agent, get a raise. Yeah, well he sucks someone's dick. I don't know. He's like, I want fourth billing. 
My blowjob skills are for fourth billing. You gotta be careful with jokes like that. Why? This is a Weinstein movie. I get it. I get the Me Too fucking movement and everything. I support it. You know, fucking guys are assholes, but I can still make a fucking guy (laughs) dick-sucking joke. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. No, what I, was, I can totally say a guy can suck another guy's fucking dick. Where I was going with that yeah. was, you got to be careful, because it may actually be true. You don't know. Oh, he would never suck fucking Weinstein's dick. If he sucked any dick, it would be Quentin's dick. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. I would not. I would suck the director's dick, not the fucking producer. All right, Fourth so, billing, Eli Roth. <laughs> Good agent. Get a raise. All right, so chapter one of this film starts off, Once Upon a Time in Nazi-Occupied France. France. What a great fucking title. Uh, Yeah, he was going to consider using that as the uh, title for the movie. And what a great fucking scene. Yes. Again, like we talked about, you know, in the open, that that it is the best scene in the movie, I think. The plot of the film, really quick. Uh, man, dude, like, can, we, can, we, can we just go through it? See, but the okay, plot okay, we'll is go, so convoluted. We'll, we'll because- go chapter one. Like, look, like, no, no, it's not that hard. The, the, the simple aspect of it is these eight American World War II soldiers are dropped behind enemy, enemy lines as a renegade unit, and their mission is to find and kill as many Nazis as they can. And in the process, they run into the French resistance, and they end up orchestrating this whole facade with a double agent who was a German actress. Yeah. And, um, Bridget von Hammerstein. Uh, yeah. Von Hammerstein. Hammerstein. They pronounce her name wrong so many times. Yeah. Uh, I forget yeah, what, I how, what's the right way. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and in the process, um, someone get killed. They kill some other people. They make, you know, uh, good strides into killing Hitler. And they end up turning one of Hitler's leading investigators, who is called the Jewel Hunter. Oh, they don't turn him. He into a double. Well, he turns himself into almost a double agent in yeah. the war. So it's an alternative take on what history. It would have been lovely if that ended up being that way, but it did not. But it's a good little like fun poke at it. Um, yeah, you know. So that's basically the gist of this whole fucking film. Well, except for like you missed the entire like, you know, the the, <laughs> the Jew whose family gets massacred in front of her. She runs away. And, and she then, has her revenge. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's nice. There's like these two like little revenge stories that are yeah. going on with this French teenager, I guess. Mm-hmm. Who, Shoshana. Who's later like a young adult in the movie. Yeah. Uh, what is it? I guess I guess they don't ever give her actual age because the, the French presentation guy says she's like 18 or, or yeah, 19 yeah. in the beginning. Doesn't really know. Because, I mean, later in the movie, when it, it jumps later in time, she ends up owning a theater, and she literally burns Hitler and all of the high command down yeah. in a movie theater, like, by setting film on fire. fire. Which is, you know, like, uh, a little nod from, um, you oh, know... That's true. Quint- yeah, from Quentin Tarantino, like, I know shit about film that you young motherfuckers didn't know, you know, it can incinerate and burn down a whole place right well, away. Well, and then, you know, the other nod is, yeah, but, you know, like what's like really cool about that scene and we'll get to it when we get to it. But um, actually, Quentin Tarantino put on a fucking fire suit and got on the crane to shoot it, to shoot that whole scene. They, they burned. They actually burnt down the fucking set, like the actual set with extras while it's burning fucking down. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah. Look, it looks dangerous when they're yeah. running out. I mean, there's that one shot yeah. with the uh, the yeah. front auditorium yeah. and the theater yeah. screen. Yeah, and no, that's actually Just those extras going, fuck this shit, we're not getting paid extra for this. We're getting the fuck out. <laughs> and then, like, her, her her part of, like, you know, where she interrupted the movie and she sliced her little uh, homemade video in there. And uh, she goes, you know, I, I have to, you know, she said it in English rather than, like, French. And actually, that was her suggestion as an actress to him. 
Because initially he was going to have it in French and just subtitle it. So that was kind of like a little cool cool thing of collaborating with your actors. And yeah. To- well, I mean, I, I think it makes sense because I think they would understand, you know, English better. Yeah. What, Germans? The Germans, then they would. No, most Germans understand French better than English. Oh, really? Because, yeah. I mean, they go, they do, well, in, the, very in this close movie, proximity, yeah. they make, they make, they go out of their way to, like, the German soldiers yeah. don't all speak uh, French. Like, there's only, like, her love interest or, like, yeah. the, or, or, uh, or the, the creepy the, guy that wants to hit <laughs> up on her all the time. The guy that uh, wants to be the love interest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's oh, trying yeah. his damnedest. I've been that guy a few times. <laughs> well, I do like how she kind of plays like the crazy girl. Yeah, yeah, she does. She does. She, she's like so dismissive of him. Well, I yeah. mean, like she's so stuck in such a weird hard, hard spot. Okay, what well, hard spot? Yeah, dude, it, it's fucking the Jew hunter came and killed her whole fucking family, and she ran away. She fucking hates Nazis, rightly so. I fucking hate Nazis, except our president. He fucking loves Nazis, but everyone else in this fucking world still hates Nazis. Well, no, I mean, but she gets she gets put in such a, a weird situation where it's like, uh, you know, like when Hans sees her again later in the movie at the yeah. cafe, just interrupts her. It's not only could she possibly get found out, but it's withholding all that emotion. Yeah. From seeing the guy that murdered her entire family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about when when the uh, when the jewel hunter comes in. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I guess we're skipping ahead. Let's yeah, let's go back. Are, let's yeah, go back sorry. to this yeah. first scene. Chapter one. Yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> with the jewel hunter's introduction, because man, I think this is one of the most um, welcoming, intimidating uh, uh, sons of bitches in the world. Kill him with kindness is yeah, he's his a motto. Charming motherfucker, man. Right? He's a charming motherfucker, and he comes in, and he's like, you know, speaking French. And when he kind of like gets the hint that maybe this French family is hiding Jews under the cupboards of like their floorboards in their little cottage, are you comfortable with English? And the guy's like, yes, dude. He has like fucking amazing one-liners. Like seriously, like one of them is like, you know, at, at the very end of the scene, basically, you know, uh, after he was like intimidating the guy, and he gets him to point out where the fucking. Um, oh, where they're laying under yeah, the floorboards. Yeah, where they're laying under the floorboards, you know, with his little tobacco pipe, you know. He switches from English back to French, and you're like, man, this guy's fucking smooth and charming and all this shit. And he goes, sir, to both your family and your cows, <laughs> the milk is in excellent, bravo. Like, it's fucking, like, yo, merci. Like, it's just fucking amazing, dude. Like, this guy is fucking awesome, dude. Like, Oh, he, yeah. What a great casting! No, oh. no, it, it's just this the dialogue, like how he comes in, and he's so nonchalant. He's but he's so polite, yeah. like he doesn't do anything rude. He's not a menacing bad guy, but he comes in with such like that that story about like if I was can compare like Germans to a beast, it would be a Hulk, yeah, and Jews to a rat. But I don't think that's an insult. And then he starts explaining about like where a hawk would look. That's how Germans think. I don't think like that motherfucker. I think like a rat. Yeah, and it's just like what the fuck. And he's just he is breaking this guy down slowly to where he gets him to the point at the end of the scene. It is fucking brilliant where he just blatantly asks this dude, "Are you harboring enemies of the state?" state. Yeah. Fucker is doing nothing. He's got nothing to do, man, and he's just crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like fucking tearing up and just like takes his hand shaking and he just like points his tobacco pipe down to where they are and like just draws. A little like like X mark to where they would be. This guy just fucking casually continues the conversation. Says thank you for the milk and you know I, I yeah to your family and the cows. Bravo and just like walks out, comes back in with the soldiers and fucking shoots it up. And that's where Shoshana fucking escapes. But that's a twenty minute scene. Yeah, and it's done from like four angles. Uh, is it? 
Yeah, there's the there's the shot where he comes into the house, which is silhouetted. You know, we're talking about from when he walks into the house, not from the exterior. Right? There's the over the shoulder, the the farmer. There's the close up of the farmer. There's the over the shoulder of um, the Jew hunter, and there's a close up of him, and then like one close up of one of the daughters, and that's it. But that's just in that first part because then when they sit down, they do the dolly shot where it goes around and then yeah, they yeah, flip the like, axis. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it still is like two setups. Dude, that's got to be more than two setups, bro. Dude, I mean, they probably shot it for like fucking two weeks because whatever the fuck it is. But yeah, no, <laughs> dude, that's no. I mean, like they 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 they, had, they spent some time. on Yeah, it. if this is a walk away, like if it's lit and you just walk away and come back the next day, yeah. it's it's two setups. I don't know. I have yeah. to go back and watch it again. Yeah, I was not watching it that closely. I get so sucked into the scene, man. It's it's like a master I, class and how a character can manipulate another character dude, to get what they want. It's so well paced, man. Can we talk about the editor? Holy oh, Sally Minkins? Sh- dude, poor lady. Rest in peace. Uh, this yes. Was, this was basically her last film. Uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was It was the last film, yeah. yeah. Tarantino had to get a, a different editor for Django Unchained, yeah. and I will say, that movie suffers for it. It does. If if we have any, like, young filmmakers listening to this shit and all that stuff, like, I used to be you. I used to edit my own shit and all that stuff, then I found Brian Elkins. <laughs> you get, oh, thanks, buddy. You gotta find someone that is as passionate about your vision as you for a film. You know, the, the, the saying, which holds true, you write a film, you shoot a different film, and then the film you present to the audience is what's, what's edited. And without an editor like Sally or like someone like Brian, you're not really going to get the best out of your fucking film. And this film is so well paced and it's so well cut that, dude, you don't even feel, you don't, you don't, you don't feel the time. Like when this film ended, this is one of those very rare films where I'm like, oh my God, man, can it not play for like another three hours? I will sit there and watch it for another three hours. Like I'm not, I'm not ready for it to end. The story, the narrative, all yeah, yes, a shit ton of that has to do with Quentin Tarantino and the way he writes and the way he directs it, but a shit ton more has to do with how that editor puts it together, how those beats work out. Man, you know, that that's that's something now that you brought that up. A lot, I've heard of that complaint a lot. Like, this movie feels too short. How many times is that said for a two and a half hour fucking movie? Two hours and 30, it's, like three, it, 32 it's, minutes? It speaks fucking volumes about the fucking editor. Most people complain the minute a movie's like two hours and 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck, man, I go to the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. love bladder ain't that big. Come yeah, on, like Hollywood. the fucking Lord of the Rings films, man. I'm like, when the fuck is this shit going to end? It's fucking boring, you know? And like, you watch this thing, you're like, dude, give me four more hours, please. <laughs> like, give me all your shit that you did not want to have in there. Give me that extended cut. I'll pay you 20 bucks to go see it you know sally really probably helped out uh christoph waltz performance a lot like the comedic timing yeah and when when to put those pauses in and like there are these moments where that's a bingo when he's talking to the the french farmer uh, i forget what his name is lapierre or something like that um there are moments where the, the dialogue just stops and we just get reaction shots and they're beautifully timed yeah you know they're always in the right spot yeah, I mean, like, if if you guys don't believe us, um, try to find, like, raw footage of Adam Sandler doing any funny film or, or, or um, Eddie Murphy or any of those guys. Without an editor to, like, that knows how to, like, comedically time that kind of stuff, it just, it looks like shit. She, she did sculpt that character so well in the editing. That like yeah. really, really brought it to life. Yeah, I was I was watching. Um, they have like a uh, couple deleted scenes, but I, well, I guess they're not really deleted. They're extended scenes on the Blu-ray, 
and and one of them is the cafe scene before Hans comes mm-hmm. in. Tarantino just uses one camera setup mm-hmm. since supposed to two. Yeah. I'm not 100 sure, but they just had the one camera angle, and it was uncut of the entire scene. It was the master, and dude, where the pauses were, where the performers were putting them. They were completely differently timed in the cut. And you go back and you watch just that one take on the Blu-ray and watch that scene. And it's like, holy crap, that's what a great editor does right there. And you know what? The scene is actually even longer than the master shot. But, dude, it flows so much better. It's Mm -hmm. so much better paced. And you get all this emotional impact out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when you're seeing her squirm. I I agree with you. That is one of the... I get get choked up talking about her, man, because she's one of the best editors that have... Like really lived, man. She she is fucking fantastic. I mean, all, all yeah. her movies that she's cut is just fucking incredible. Every single one of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, did she she goes back with Tarantino for like fuck since the beginning. Uh, did, second one. Uh, Paul, oh, she did yeah. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Is that the one she came in on? Yeah, she she's fucking great. It it is a shame we lost her. And you do, look, I mean, there's a reason when the credits go, you see Quentin Tarantino, written directed by Quentin Tarantino. The next credit is edited by Sally Meek. Yeah. You know that says something. It's it's as much as her film as it is his. Yeah, yeah. I I always I always respect like how Tarantino lists his credits. Yeah, no, no, no. Me too, man. But uh, I okay. won't say Brian Elkins. I'll say like douchebag. <laughs> Damn it! Why do I get the Deadpool credit? <laughs> Edited by douchebag. Edited by some fat guy that sits behind a computer all day and Actually, gets yeah. no sunlight. For once, you're not fucking fat, and and you're semi tanned. I guess having four ki- three kids and running around them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? running around outside, you know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you get shot with Nerf guns. All right, let's move on to Chapter 2, the indu- the introduction, I should say, of the Inglorious Bastards. Dude, what? <laughs> it's the only time I think you also get, like, uh, kind of like a flashback. Where this this one is the only one where you get the normal it's Quentin the, Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is, it is. It's it's one of the, yes, it's the only one in this film where it's out of order. It's like the, the pre-deployment behind enemy lines of this, like, you know, um, elite unit of, like, eight people plus the uh, lieutenant. Um, and that's that's your first scene glimpse of all the other actors in the fucking film, you know, because the the first scene, the first chapter, everyone there dies except Shoshana, yep. and like so you only see Shoshana back and and uh, the Jew Hunter, and then in this one is the Inglorious Bastards. Let's say you like lived under a rock, you don't, you have no idea what World Two is. It gives you everything. It, it gives you the context of the war, what's happening. Whose side we're, we should be rooting for and whose side we're going to fight. Like, in a minute. I want my 100 Nazi scouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> you know, like, we're going to, they're doing evil shit, blah, blah, blah. You know, and all that stuff is like, you know, and, and, and we're going to go back behind. And it kind of gives you the premise for the rest of the film. It's like, we're going to go back. We're going to kill us. You know, we're not in the prisoner taking business. We're in the Nazi killing business. Nancy. I love the, his fucking accent is on point. Like, I know at the, earlier I was giving him some shit. But, you know, I, I did also justify by saying he does have some range. And I'll tell you what, this is one of the best, you know, because he's been in a shit ton of fucking World War II films he was an allied that's the only one i can think of uh, no fury right uh, oh yeah, yeah that's right i yeah. forgot about that yeah one. and uh you the know like film. yeah and you're like but in this one man he comes in like dude and this is like well, this is what happens when you work with a fun director dude that's what i that's what i like about Quentin. he's a fucking fun director they do takes not because they have to they're like let's just do a second take why and then like the whole group goes like because we love making movies <laughs> oh man, dude! Like his second AC um, does the slate, the slate, yeah, yeah. And she always does like you know instead like the of funny names, yeah. yeah. Instead, <laughs> instead of like you know one apple take one, she'll do 
like some for like, your scene number. Yeah. yeah, and she does like yeah. Instead of one apple, it's like one asshole. Yeah, or whatever. She'll pick yeah. the most foul shit she could yeah. possibly say. Yeah, one bitch ass, dude. <laughs> I, I, two. I, re- I re- on one production we uh, we actually tried to do that, and you know it was it was all fun. And about I don't know ten hours into the day, you ran out of shit. Ran well, not only that, but the actress goes, uh, "Can you guys uh, please stop doing that? It's uh, um, really distracting and uh, it's causing me to get out of character." <laughs> You're like, "Oh, ah, bitch, shut up!" Come you know on, all the, you know all the actresses that are working in fucking Quentin's film that are like getting highly paid. You can't be as cool as anybody in Glorious Bastards. Come on, yeah. Man. Hey, man, uh, when we did Scorned, your cue for the pyro guys was asshole. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that was that was not when my you idea. Blew up the car. <laughs> I was like, told to do that. By the way, yeah. Well, wait, did I tell you that? Did someone else tell you? No, that? the uh, yeah. the the pyro dude. Yeah, the pyro, the yeah, effects yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah Randy. Yeah, look. yeah. <laughs> just say asshole as loud as you can. Yeah, yeah. He's like, don't Why? don't give me the fucking cues for other shit. Just give me asshole. I know no one else will say it. I know that's when I have to blow up the car. Just fucking say asshole. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Things you got to do for a paycheck, brother. Uh, it's tough work, man. Uh, you didn't even get it. fucking paid back then. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fucking freebie short film. Because <laughs> hey, I helped you out on the short film before that that you directed. That's right. Yeah. I love the game. That's right. Hey, look, if you're a filmmaker, scratch another filmmaker's back. Help them out, man. Or balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you know them really well I mean If you have that kind of relationship You know Don't make, make sure it. you ask first Yeah yeah <laughs> Don't grab anyone by the balls Hey I'm having such a great time Can you mind if I funnel your nuts <laughs> Of course uh, In the second chapter We also get introduced to uh, Hitler Which is uh, Hilarious It is Nine Nine, nine, nine. nine yeah. uh, His uh, Man that vein That pops up in his head And he yeah. starts getting so red Yeah that, That's a good actor too man Ooh, brother, that's some commitment, dude. Yeah. He looks like he's about ready to have a stroke. Yeah. And I like how they set up, they start setting up the whole thing where uh, Aldo can't, he's got to keep one survivor. Yeah, yeah, to send a message. That's you right. Know, with the swastika, like, carved into their head. Uh, and it starts going into, like, this uh, theme of the movie where they're, they're using, the, like, forms of propaganda and fear tactics to inspire the fear. And it, it's yeah. carried throughout. Like, even, like, in, in the first scene, when Hans comes in, he even tells the, the farmer, like, what's, what's my name? What do you, what do you know about me? Mm-hmm. He's like, are, are you aware of my reputation? He's yeah. like, yes, I know you're called the Jew Hunter, man. <laughs> yes, and I don't, I don't want to fucking talk about it. It's uncomfortable, all right? <laughs> yeah. Now, he's getting a kick out of that, you know, because he's built up this reputation, and it, yeah. it precedes him. And, he's, and then Lieutenant Aldo Lorraine's doing, like, taking the same thing, flipping it back of, like, I am that motherfucker that kills all you fucking intimidating motherfuckers. Exactly. And it's it's really both sides. is awesome, yeah. Yeah, and they even do it. They bring it in with the film, and everything is very streamlined. But, you know, it, it doesn't seem like uh, Tarantino is interested in... in and really talking, saying, like, uh, propaganda and fear tactics, are they good or bad? No, he's, he's not, letting the characters do that. It's but weird I mean, like, because it's everybody kind of gets a little bit of what they want in yeah. some in some points. Yeah. You know, when they do but, that. But that's life. Yeah. yeah. but that's life. That's what makes this fucking film amazing, man. That's why, like, well, you I'm know. I'm talking about thematically. Oh, thematically. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. You know, some people get what they want. Like Shoshana got her revenge. You know, the Jew Hunter got to escape because that guy is selfish as fuck. Um, <laughs> and like live out his life. But Lieutenant Aldo Rain also got to make an example of the Jew Hunter of like, you know, putting the fucking swastika on his head. You can take off the uniform, but you'll never not be a Nazi. You know how to get to Carnegie Hall, right? Um, practice. Practice, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> practice. Sam Jackson's also got his momentary little cameo here that pops up in this scene uh, doing a little bit of vo 
for uh, Tilda's fucking uh, character. What the fuck is that? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Hugo something. He's the Nazi that kills all the SS yeah. actor, uh, officers. They break out of prison. Yeah. Wait, Samuel Jackson has a cameo in this film? Well, yeah. As the, he does the VO. He does the narration. Get the fuck out of here. I do no. not, how did you not know that was Samuel L. Jackson? I did not. Look what? at that. that. You know, guys, that's why we do these podcasts. You can learn. No matter, you can watch it 58 times and still not remember. <laughs> what? Are you serious? You yeah, did I, not? I did not know that. No, this is new trivia for me. Did oh, not yeah. That. No, he does both of the, the VOs, the narration segments in the Did movie. not know that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure now that if I watch them, I'm like, duh. You get that little, uh... Kill them Nazi motherfuckers. <laughs> motherfucker, I'm gonna kill them motherfucking Nazi. <laughs> Nancy. Get these motherfucking Nazis <laughs> off my motherfucking plane. <laughs> dude, Nazis on a plane? We need to make that. Oh, my God, dude. They made... They made there's this German guy that made a film in 2008. You know, when that whole oh, thing Iron with, Sky. like... Iron Sky. Yeah, yes. it was, like, Nazis in space. And it was, like... It was as bad as Captain America in the World of Tomorrow. Or, like, sorry, Captain... Oh, so... Uh, no, the Sky uh, Captain. Sky Captain, World, yeah. Yes. Yeah, just, you Too know, long. like, that's, that's when they were, like, oh, look... There's these fat nerdy guys that make computer graphics, and it took them six years to make these short films. Let's give them hundred million dollars. That's the fucking truth. Uh, let's give them hundred million dollars to make these films. Like these guys are not fucking trained directors. They've never directed shit in their lives. If you give them twenty years and hundred million dollars, they'll come up with something good. But you give them a deadline, it's gonna be shitty as fuck. You but know, yes, I, I, that, that's around the time. Uh, back, yeah. I, I got I, some I love digress. for Sky Captain. A what? Little bit, a little bit. I Get a little bit of love. Fuck out of here. What's your love? I got a little bit of love. Angelina Jolie because she's hot. No, it's it's it pays homage hey, to what? a nice fifties sci-fi film, and it's got a, it does have a nice like kid friendly fifties uh, feel to it. Just a little bit. Uh, it is a little wooden. It's the equivalent of Sucker Punch. To me. I, All right, I, shut the fuck up. I'll agree. The direction is bad. <laughs> no argument. Yeah, because that guy's not a fucking director, dude. He was an IT guy. No argument there. It's like, hey, what did you do? In my spare time, I was the general manager of a grocery store. What do you do now? You know, I did that one short film with animation, and now I'm directing a Disney film for $200 million. Oh, Oh, shit. That is going to fucking tank. Unless you're a molester, and you had all these children in the fucking grocery store, and you were teaching... You know, teaching yourself how to tell them stories to, like, abduct them. I don't know how the fuck you're going to be able to tell stories. You oh, got to wh- practice at that shit, man. That's the director of Jeepers Creepers you're just talking about right there. Look at that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He, he made other movies. I like the guy that did fucking Sky Captain and the, whatever the fuck it's called. Okay. What a dumb fucking title. Hold on. That is kind of a double standard. Why the fuck did... Yeah, now that you said that, it just got me thinking. Like, why did the guy that did Jeepers Creepers... Who's a fucking convicted in court yeah. child molester? How did he get do other movies? And he sucked the right dick. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's a flawed fucking system, man. I, I don't know why. I don't. He should not have. I'm sorry. He should not have. Man, Hollywood just jumps on so many fads. It, yeah. it do, that does get a little on my nerves about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't mean to be. I mean, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's not talk um, anymore because then you and I will never work. <laughs> Because, you know, all our bosses in the next two years are going to be women. And well, then we're no. like listening to this and we're like, you guys are misogynistic. And well, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Me Too movement, but I hope it doesn't go away because, you know, we I had, we, we had a, a hashtag uh, Oscars is so white. And then, yeah. you know, that seems like that just totally disappeared from uh, the conscious of, of the public. Yeah. We're not we're not talking about that hey, anymore. Two, two years ago, two years from now, we're going to still say it because I guarantee you in two years from now, it's going to be like every every actor nominated is going to be white. Oh, no, there were the, the last uh, Oscars they had for this year for 2018 they they had some black females come out and and say that they fixed that problem yeah 
I was like, what no, the fuck? they did not fuck? fix that fucking problem. That problem is not fixed until everyone in that system, you know, the VPs of acquisitions, the VPs of productions and all that stuff is an equal, different, like, gender and creed and uh, uh, race. Do you know what I'm saying? Because, like, right yeah. now it's, you know, and, like, until then, the content is going to be almost the same. But, you know, we're slowly seeing it. Like, Jordan We're Peele, starting to fix yeah, it. Yeah, no, we're no, starting I, to fix I, it I a little bit. That. Like, Jordan uh, Peele, you know, like, it's having It's not doomsday now, scenario shit I'm, I'm bringing out here. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, you know. I mean, seriously, like women have been fucked on this in this industry for like the past hundred years. But yeah, but. back to Inglorious Bastards. Yes, um, this scene, um, or I guess this chapter, chapter yeah. two here. When you get to this moment in the movie, and I don't, I don't know if I felt this way first viewing or if it was second viewing or not. It's the moment in the movie where I, I start to feel and realize that this is where Quentin Tarantino. And I want to get your thoughts on this. He's he's kind of perfected what a novel does for the screen. Yes. You know, where he is doing like all these different, like what he's doing with time, what he's doing with getting inside a character's head. Like there's moments where like Goebbels, when he's like uh, with the French uh, translator. Yeah. And like all of a sudden you get that flash that's real quick of him like fucking the shit out of her from behind doggy style. And he's like, yeah, I'm saying some shit in German. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it cuts back. And then there's like uh, the SS, uh, the, the Nazi guy that kills all the SS uh, yeah, members. Officers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's even got like a, a, a real quick whip flashback. Yeah. And, and it's just those little quick moments and the way he's telling this story, yeah. it's set up, it, it's like a, it's like a book. It's like a, a film book. Well, you know, you know, and his whole thing, um, yes. And I agree with you and it's, you know, Quentin Tarantino, I mean, this is not a, this is not news. It's, it's out there everywhere. He said, I'm going to make 10 films. I'm going to then after that, just write books. Because he writes his movies like a novel. Like, sometimes, there, I mean, there are scripts. I can't recall exactly which one, but one of them was like 300 pages. You can't fucking make that movie. <laughs> yeah. That's no. like five hours, you know? Nobody's going to sit through that shit. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, he, you know, then he chops it down and all that stuff to, like, a manageable script. Was it, was it Kill Bill? Because he split that up into two movies. Probably, yeah. yeah. So, like, all that stuff, like, when he writes his movies, he writes them like a novel. But he just writes it in a script format. When you watch this film, it's like, oh, my God, you... He, he merged ma- art forms he, perfectly. He, he, he got into that 10,000 hours of practice, you know, on this film. I thought he was at the top of his game in Kill Bill, and he was to a certain extent. But, like, this is fucking a, like, top, top of his game. And it is exactly what you said. It's almost like he is the best at taking what a novel would be and transforming it onto screen and making it fucking fun, energetic, entertaining, and you're not bored. All right, so chapter three, uh, German Night in Paris. Yeah. So this is when we get back to our uh, the Jew that escaped the massacre Shoshana. in the beginning of the film, Shoshana, yes. Yeah. Living uh, under a different name. She's now with the French Resistance. She runs... Uh, well, she, uh, she runs is, she, is she with the French Resistance? Because I, I don't think they actually say she's, like, affiliated with anybody. She's just operating this theater. No, wait, like no, no, a, you're right, you're right. Yeah, you're right, you're right. In my head, she's in the French resistance. Well, I mean, she like, ends up killing everyone, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess technically, they're going to claim her regardless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah te- technically, that propaganda arm will claim her, yes. <laughs> they're going to be like, look, she's French, and she killed <laughs> them Nazis. <laughs> killed them Nazis. Resistance, yes. yes. Fuck, dude. Uh, if you're French right now, and you're American right now, you have Nazis around you, please fucking, yeah, do something. <laughs> I can't, we're, I can't we're curse saying, We're not condoning yeah. murder. Yes, we're but, not. You know, Just call the cops. Maybe maybe a slap to the face and yeah. tell them, you know, I bite my thumb at you, yeah. sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bite my thumb at uh, What the fuck? Mr. Boslerman. Hey, man. I was going to go with William Shakespeare. I, I, you know, it's weird that you just went for, for Baslerman there. Uh, yeah, because... <laughs> 
he made a better version of like let's say Shakespeare was <gasps> alive today directing movies, and it was him making Romeo and Juliet, and then it was Boz. It would be Boz's version for me over fucking Shakespeare's version. What? No, no, come on, look, it's just it's Kenneth Branagh, bro. And by the way, it's not Shakespeare; it's Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You, should watch, you should go watch those documentaries about Anonymous, huh? Oh, I thought you were making a... Um, oh, a jerk-off joke? Uh, yes, no, I no, 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 like, it's, it, it, when, when Shakespeare came out, it, it used to be, like, shock, not shake, spur, not spear, and uh, it was, it was a play on words. Uh, oh, yeah, I totally yeah. thought you were the, making the, a The Shakespeare that's show. in the records was a fucking grain dealer. He, he didn't fucking write any of this shit. Most of the consensus right now is the 17th... Earl of whatever it is is the one that wrote all those uh, all you, those. Plays. You know what? I'm just gonna call it by well, Shakespeare it's, it's because Shakespeare. That's what it says in the bookstore. <laughs> all bro. right, okay. Well, there you go, man. We'll just put it with the Shakespeare. All right. <sighs> Back to chapter three of Inglorious Bastards. That's right. And I want my scales. Uh, oh, and I, I guess we should say that this also is the point in, in time where the movie does jump ahead. It's now ni- 1944, and yeah, everything like else ended. Was, a, yeah, like the war. The war. The Germans think they're going to be winning the war. Like they're all on the high ground. Their their propaganda machine is at its best. They've occupied all France. Hitler is uh, is is worried about the Americans yeah. though at this point. So yeah, there there is that, and I think that's you know why it's a morale you know, booster. Hans at the end ends mm-hmm. up making a switch. But, yeah. you know, we, we get the flirtation between the German officer who the corporal that, that the film, you know, uh, Bride of a Nation or is it Nation Pride? Uh, what, what, what's Nation's the, Pride. Nation's Pride, you know, is, is uh, inspired by him. You know, he, he was uh, apparently a sniper and he was um, held up in a tower and he killed all these enemy forces by himself for like a few days or whatever it is. And he's kind of like a big deal. He thinks of himself as a big deal and he kind of like falls in love with this projectionist and pursues her well the projectionist is shoshana yes and uh trying to shoot him down dude oh my god it is awkward as fuck like i i I watched that scene and i'm like i hope i've never done that to a woman (laughs) where i've like come on to her like 18 times like that and did not get the hint because i was young and dumb you know like because i'm sitting there going cringeworthy like and it's such good performance by both of them you know because she's like totally showing him she's not interested but he keeps pressing and then she does the like okay i'll let you in because you press for so long but what, what what this is such a feminist film in a way because she does that and then she like her revenge is she burns everyone alive and she shoots that motherfucker but those fuckers deserved it i mean like oh t- fuck yeah T- tarantino goes out of his ways to make the nazis like despicable in the movie yeah except i, I kind of like the jew hunters fucking persona in this film like he made him likable he made him like hate yourself for liking him well, I mean, I didn't root for him. Yeah, I, I, I didn't root for him. I loved him as a character, though. I'm like, dude, this well, guy he's is witty su- as fuck. He, yeah, he's such a great fucking like evil guy, and he's so smart and clever. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I, I get that. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not condoning any of that shit. You know, I'm just saying. Like, well, we we're, we're well aware. Yeah, I guess it is a that seems a a triumph of the wills. Oh, oh, oh shit! German propaganda uh, film pun. Oh, hey man, I uh, super nerdy. Fucking uh, yeah, I, I studied that film in film and video one in high school. Yeah, that's a that's a film history flick so, right there. Birth of a nation. Fuck the Nazis. Kind of fuck all that shit. However, 
Man, some of the best early cinematography in this fucking planet was fucking Nazi cinematography, man. They came up with yeah. the low angles and the high angles for, you know, like, powerful low angle, you know, vulnerable high angle, the lighting, um, like, really capturing the human body. Wait, and the Germans movement. come up with that? Yeah, fuck yeah, they did, man. Yeah, that was all Germans. And it was a woman. Was it Einstein, uh, Battleship uh, Potomac? And that was in the silent era. That had that had that had definitely high angles on there. Yeah, the they, they, they did, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't do it in that in that effect the way the Nazi propaganda films did it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I haven't seen any of those really though since college. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I I think I still have one on VHS. If you have a VHS player, I'll like bring it to you. Man. Oh man, no. it's, the, look, fuck the Nazis. Magnificent fucking film. The scale, dude. Like, dude. I'm, I'm being serious, man. No, I know. I know like, but like, dude, you, gotta, like, you, got, you got to laugh. Look, dude. It's uncomfortable, bro. It's it is. It is uncomfortable. And I laugh when I'm said, uncomfortable. Fuck the Nazis, but it's a brilliant fucking film because, like, dude. There's all these fucking magnificent tracking shots that you've never really seen before unless you really watch Russian cinema. This was the height of like really technical artistic filmmaking and it was really during the nazi propaganda era you know and it was all under Goebbels, man and like you know it was state sponsored that's how they had the money to fucking they had unlimited amount of resources you know this was one of the first films shot on like 18 cameras and, and you know what he paid him watch to it in the film well i mean there's a lot of films in film history that have you know Sorted past and questionable yeah, birth content. Birth of a fucking nation, you know. Yeah, you know? I mean, birth of a nation. That that's, but that was the first yeah. film that did wipes, exactly. and, that, and that, that that's the first film that experimented with undercranking and overcranking. I mean, as far as film is considered, well, I don't know. It was all kind of undercranked back in the day. No, but it experimented <laughs> with overcranking and undercranking. That was the first film that did that. Um, no, bro, Trip to the Moon. No, Trip to the Moon didn't do under uh, overcranking. They did undercranking. No, they did both. They did not know. Yes, right. bro. We'll, hey, audience. We'll look we will up. get back to you on the next podcast whenever we do whichever next movie we're going to do, and we'll talk about it. That'll be the first opener. There I'm you telling go. you, bro. Hey, chime in right now. Tell us which one's an idiot. <laughs> Just go, Wahid equals idiot, or Brian equals idiot. The more we see Well, I mean, it's, it's different when you're talking about, like, undercranking and overcranking. For those cameras, it's different because it's hand-cranked. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Yeah, so it's literally, like, and if, if you're talking about somebody slowly cranking the camera or mm-hmm. fast cranking the camera, mm-hmm. the first film that I know of was Trip to the Moon. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. We'll look it up. I'm, I'm pretty sure that predates any of those, uh, those German films. Cause, uh, yeah, that's, like, in the 1800s. The German... Pro- what? What? Is trip to the moon, like nineteen oh two or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know exactly yeah. the date of that, but yeah, I know those German propaganda films started around like what thirty two. Yeah. Try Try the wheels like thirty one, thirty one, thirty. Yeah, thirty one, thirty two. Yeah. Yeah. I forget when that stuff exactly started, but you know, I, it's not really a, uh, it's not a German propaganda film, but man, my favorite film though from World War Two is that it's that black and white film. Um, you can still find it. Criterion put it out. Uh, it's called Night and Fog. It's, it's a documentary about uh, con- the concentration camps, but uh, don't worry. It, there's nothing like, you know, terrible yeah. to see in it. It's literally just like still shots of the locations and they're, they're vacant and you don't see anything like, you know, horrific or yeah. gory. So you don't have to worry about that. Who, who directed it? Was it um, American? Like, with, uh, with the service, no, it's, or? it's, fr- I think it's French. Okay. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure um, the director's name, but I only saw it once in film school because it's so fucked up because you're just getting this constant VO and you're just getting these pictures and the music and everything and it just hits you over the fucking head to the point where you're just like, oh my god, bro, I get it. I'm fucking depressed and like, yeah. whoa, like, what the fuck? No. Yeah. 
It's not a film I'd want to watch all the time, but that, it that, is it is really powerful. That is a that that that's a fucking film, man. Yeah, that that whole time, man, that whole time period was just like fucking bullshit. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, But you know, we get to meet Girls in chapter 3. Yeah, that dude, the okay, the cafe scene, that's my second favorite scene in the whole movie. I, dude, I really love it. Me too, man. Like the fucking ambusher there. And so so now all, all of a sudden you have the corporal that like really likes her, and then you have Goebbels there, and this guy's kissing Goebbels' ass, and that guy's kissing his ass. You have the French assistant who was in Kill Bill. She played the Japanese interpreter. Oh yeah, interpreter yeah, yeah, you're right. In yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> She's always the translator. <laughs> I translate uh, in all of Tarantino's, Tarantino's films. Uh, she's so fucking hot. But anyways, and then you know, in in that scene, then what's what's the other guy's name too? The guy that fi- finds out Fassbender's character later on that he he he's like a investigator uh, for, himself. For, yeah, you know, forget. he's some yeah, he's like a security SS. guy. Yeah, he's like a yeah. security detail or whatever. And then you know, and then you get like. Kristoff's character is in there, the Jew Hunter, man. And like, and then Shoshana's in there between all those fuckers having like dessert and coffee and cigarettes. It is like the most satisfying yet frightening yet like charming scene that you've seen in so long. I, I don't know how to describe Like, that's what I'm saying, man. This guy is fucking brilliant, man. It's on a different fucking level. Who the fuck thinks? It's fucking amazing. It's one of the best scenes ever, man. I think that's when Christoph Waltz, like the Jew hunter, starts suspecting Shoshana as the girl. And then he's like, you have to wait for the dessert and you get to wait for the, you know, the, the, like the white cream to come on top or whatever he called it. And then he showed his disgust to her by just putting his cigarette out and not even like really doing the whole oh, thing. Oh, you thought he suspected her? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know oh. he suspected her. On oh, that see, scene. okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, dude, I totally read that scene the, the yeah. exact opposite way. I, I thought he did not um, suspect her at all whatsoever for being, you know, the Jew that got away three years ago from his grasp. I thought what he was doing is every other scene you see him in the film. He has a piece of information or he already knows something that the other characters in the scene do not know. Yeah. And he uses that and he always waits. In a charming way. Yeah. But he always waits to the very last fucking moment and then he drops something. Yeah. And Tarantino is constantly fucking playing and just making the tension go fucking yeah. through the roof, man. Yeah. It's so high. There he goes. I forgot what my question was. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not gonna, I don't need to ask you a second question. Um, <laughs> oh, it couldn't have been important. Bye. Yeah, I'm putting my cigarette out. And I think it's just because he he had gotten to that uh, he got to that point where he's like, well, you know, usually I fuck with somebody, but I, I yeah. couldn't find something. So yeah, maybe. Why, yeah, why, yeah. Why did you Why did you think he he knew I, her just right kind of like the the um like he he was using the dessert as like almost like an allegory of what he thought about Shoshana's to me, but I could be wrong. So, oh, yeah. I can see. Okay, I I see. I, I thought he was just like toying with her with the dessert. Yeah. Like, look, I'm gonna give you something you want, but you have to follow yeah, the rules. Or, or, or you have ma- to yeah, wait or, or, till the cream. And or maybe he was. You know, Is that's the, the beauty. That's the beauty of his character. He's a fucker. <laughs> And after the cafe scene, you get the, this is where um, she comes up with her huge plan where she's going to burn down the whole theater with the Nazis. She gets her. With um, her black boyfriend. Yeah, she gets her black boyfriend involved and he's like, what the fuck? fuck? We're not doing yeah. this. But he does talk her into it, like to the point where. She, like, she talks him into it, yeah. Oh yeah, she talks him to it, sorry. Uh, to the point where like he's, they're actually like beating the shit out of somebody later in the movie yeah. to <laughs> develop the film. I yeah. love that. <laughs> I know, man. It's fucking great. Dude, it's it's awesome, man. And, and I guess the second voiceover is about from Samuel L. Jackson is about the how flammable the the, the nitrate, the, the nitrate is. is. Yeah, so you get all that dropped on you. And then chapter four, Operation Kino. Um, 
that's where Michael Fassbender gets introduced. Yeah. There's a cool scene with um, Mike Myers and uh, oh, dude, yeah, fucking Rod got- Taylor playing uh, fucking Winston Churchill, bro, guy from the fucking Birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I know, but like they were both in such heavy makeup that like I think my second view, I was like, wait, that's fucking Mike Myers, man. What the fuck? Oh, you didn't get it right away with the voice. I, a little bit because like I'm used to his like more Americanized accent. Oh, okay, you know? I okay. And he was like very Brit, like you know very proper you know military you know 1940s. Every British, time I you know, see yeah. Mike Myers now, I either yeah. think of Wayne or like Austin Power. I now think of Baby Driver with that fucking mask scene. <laughs> That's every time I see him. <laughs> well, talking about his voice. Uh, well, you think of Baby Driver. This is Mike Myers. <laughs> I said Halloween mask. This is a Halloween mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a really good movie. Dude, that's, that's another a, great edited movie. Uh, we should fucking do a fucking movie podcast about that. That's a that's a great film. Yeah, uh, we, we get that, and this this gets the whole like uh, I guess like the last the second and last act of the movie really kicking in into gear. Yeah, where we start getting the the whole plan. The plan comes together by Mike Myers like telling Michael Fassbender's character like we have this link with the Americans. They're dropped behind enemy lines. You might know them as, as the, you know, their their reputation precedes them. They're the bastards. The we bastards. Wanna, yeah, we want to drop you over there. You're going to meet with our double agent, Miss Von. Br- Bridget Von. Von Hammersmock. Uh, and, you know. There's like, a scene where one of them goes, Ben Hammerstein. <laughs> and then Hamm- another yeah, one, there's like. Hammersmock. Like, uh, yeah, it's one of the goofs, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they're like, you know, you speak enough German. Or, like, yeah, like they're like, how's your German? And he's like, you know. Fucking great! I was oh, and and what's great is before uh, his character before the film before the war he was a film critic <laughs> talking about film critics <laughs> for uh, for German cinema for German cinema man yes. uh, and so yeah and so like you know they give him the assignment that you know you are to go there make contact with them because we think that Hitler is now going to be at this cinema in Paris for the premiere of you know Nation's Pride or whatever it is in this quaint little theater and that's our chance to end the war. And that's where Michael Fassbender goes to Germany. And that's when we really start seeing more of the characters come together. Because before, they were, like, almost isolated. Like, these characters in this one chapter, these characters in one chapter. And yeah. now they're starting to come together in chapter four. Yes, we, we start to bring them together. Yeah. And, man, dude, that's... Um... glassy Dude, the basement scene is great, dude. Dude, it is so fucking amazing. Like, you're laughing your ass off and then it gets so tense. You don't fight in the basement. Because they, they get to a point where they are, they, they're fucked. Yeah. I mean, they they really someone are. makes him out because he holds out. The the guy from the earlier scene um, that was the security detail for, like, Goebbels and all those guys um, was somehow in that fucking bar. And, yeah. And when Michael Fassmer goes there with, with Von Hammersmark or whatever it is, they end up playing a game of cards with this guy because, you know, some, some other fucking, uh, uh, like low level military guys were there, you know, it was like their R and R time off because the guy's having a kid or whatever. And they're all like drinking together and she's a big movie star and everyone wants to fucking have her signature. And then the whole thing that gives it away, none of that gives it away except the guy holding up his fucking hand, like Michael Fassbender ordering, ordering, you know, three with like the boy scouts look how yes. we do it here in America. That's Index, how the middle and ring. Yeah. Fingers. You know, and in Germans apparently don't do that. In, in Germans they do they do they do three this way with your with, with your thumb out, yeah. you know, and then you know your index finger and all that stuff. So. Uh, dude, see, I didn't even know that. And, and but then she explained it, and she explained it so beautifully in this chapter after that when they're taking the bullet out of her foot after they rescued her, which is like hilarious. Yes, the first time I watched the movie, I was like, 
wait, how did how did that three give him away? Yeah. I was confused about uh, uh, by that for a second, but you're so wrapped up in the scene because yeah. it literally goes from that to there's a quiet moment and you know something's wrong. Yeah, and he's like, eh, well, and it, you're like, how does he know? Yeah, I know, I know, and it's like, and then you, know, you hear the Walter get caught. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's, and, it's and it so goes great. in his dick. Those like blood squids coming out of the guy's dick was like fucking so satisfying. Like, yeah, kill that Nazi in his balls. <laughs> yeah, like, but and they give you a close up of it, but it's super fast. It's like yeah. a, a second, yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. a second, like 10 frame shot. Yeah. You get some balls getting blown yeah. off. <laughs> and the whole thing's over like super fast. And then it gets to a point where it's a, you know, a standoff between the last guy and, uh, and the Lieutenant Aldo Lang. Yes, Brad down, Pitt's yeah. up top. Yeah. And his guys, the remaining guys. We're in a Mexican standoff. This isn't a standoff. I got a gun. Well, I'll throw a grenade down there, and then you'll be <laughs> fucked. This is a standoff. I loved that, because I, I was know. like, wait, that isn't a standoff. Yeah. German's actually kind of right here yeah. on this one. <laughs> and Van Bra- uh, uh not Van Breer, Bridget Von, Von Hammerstein. Hammerstein. Hammerstein, Hammer, yeah. whatever her name is. Anyway, Hammersmart. She's the only one that actually makes it out. Her and Lieutenant Aldo kind of uh, reconcoct their plan now. Because, you know, initially she was going to take uh, Michael Fassbender's character yeah. and the other guy to the premiere because, you know, he spoke German and the other guy spoke Italian. And then, <laughs> dude, the best scene is like, well, we're still going to do it. She's like, which one of you guys speak Italian? He's like, well, I speak the most Italian. <laughs> and then I can't remember... Um, you know, the guy from The Office, uh, what's his name again? Uh, B.J. Novak. I can't yeah. remember his character's name, but he's like, you know. He speaks the second he's be most. He's the second most. He's the second best. Sorry. And Omar speaks the third best. And Omar's like, I don't speak Italian. He's like, that's why you speak the third best. It's <laughs> just like, fucking comedy's great at this. In, in fact, all you have to do is shut your mouth. Why don't you start right now? <laughs> uh, oh, my uh, goodness. man. Uh, the, the actress ends up um, Bridget blows away the guy, the one German soldier that's going to have the son Max. Yeah, she ends up killing him, and I do like that because when Brad Pitt's character gets down there, he sees that. So just because she's a German, she proved to him that she's on their side. Yeah. But he has to, she has to do it first. Like he puts her fuck, he puts his finger in her bullet hole in her leg, man, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, what went on down there?" It's yeah. like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Hey, man, you know, it's wartime. Look, Aldo, he didn't like any Nazis. Even double-agent Nazis. Even double-agent Nazis, yeah. <laughs> you know, he'll stick, his, he'll stick his finger in that hole. But then, you know, he, he went to the premiere with her. Yeah, he does. Oh, man, that scene, that chapter is fucking crazy. Tarantino is, is always constantly playing with suspense throughout the entire film, but... Like af- after the whole basement confrontation, you know, Hans comes down there and that's when he finds, you know, her shoe, you know, the note. The Cinderella she little thing. Yeah. Yeah. The dude, shoe fits. It's something that you, yeah, in a, in, a, in a moment you would totally forget that one little piece. And yeah. he now knows that Ooh. their plan is up and you're just waiting the entire movie for him to find them. And then like, I, I, didn't, I didn't even know they were going to blow up the fucking, uh, like that was an improvised sp- Part of their plot, I guess, to like blow up the cinema. Do you know what I'm saying? Because like initially, it was no, just they because they said tar- they were going to bring explosives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, no, but it was going to be like more targeted explosion, you know. And then like the whole fucking cinema just goes. Oh yeah, because they changed yeah. the venue. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. it was supposed to be in, like in a bigger theater. Yeah, it was supposed to be just a targeted assassination, but it ended up being like I'm gonna fucking kill everybody, all three. You know, you need all three to win the war. That's true because she does relay that information in that mm-hmm. scene. That like, oh. 
Hitler's going to be there. And that's when they're like, oh, yeah. we don't give a fuck what. And Himmler. Yeah. And uh, what's what's the, the, the well, they, they They knew all like the, the high command were going to be there. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You need all three. You need Hitler, Himmler, and I can't remember like the last person, the third person you need. But, you know, that would have been like. If all those three are dead, there's no one there to run the organization. It's yeah. just gonna all collapse. Yeah, that was, so that that became the aim of the new mission. Uh, and that's when we get chapter five: Revenge of the Giant Face. <laughs> well, you know, she had a giant face on the screen, telling everyone they're gonna die when everyone's burning up. And dude, that uh, oh my fuck, goodness! You know, all Hitler wanted there is just a little gum, and then he got a shit ton of bullets to his face. It was amazing that scene. Dude, there's uh, he does the one shot that like is, how he did with Kill yeah, Bill with the crane, scene. where he walks in with one character and establishes the entire setup in one shot with the crane inside oh, the theater. Oh, okay, yeah, you're talking about like, when they you know, start like going how, around yeah, and they like, do you know the how point they out, did, yeah, text how, on screen, how they did the that arrows. with like Kill Bill um, when they did the eighty eights, the crazy eighty eights yes. when she walks in there, you know, like uh, and then like you know the camera tracks over there and all that stuff, and then it comes back, and then by the time it loops back, it's like Uma Thurman in the fucking bar. And Orange she coming out, you know, going like, what the fuck you want? But anyways, so yeah, like he kind of did something similar with that in there. And I was like, oh, look, this guy, this guy, paying homage to his own style. What a fucking brilliant legend. I forget the movie, but that, that, that's, I'm pretty sure that shot and the theater lobby. I can't remember the name of the film because it's been, it's been a long time, but I'm pretty sure that's actually from another film. Oh, dude, I, I can't uh, from, remember the name of From what I know, the production the design is literally lifted the entire interior of that theater is like the production design is literally lifted from another movie. I'm pretty sure there's like even the, the beginning uh, montage sequence where you see um, Melina. She's putting on uh, oh, what's yeah. her character's name? I keep uh, Shoshana. Shoshana. Yeah. She's putting on her makeup and everything. Yeah, and yeah. That's ready. lifted from another movie. That's two different. The films, way her window. But yes, yeah, the window plane. Yeah, the way, dude. But that's such a gorgeous shot. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like the Nazi flags are there, but oh my god, dude, it's it's blue outside because it's like snowing, and then you got the red Nazi. F- flags and she's wearing her gorgeous fucking red dress and she's putting her red lipstick on and like dude that whole symmetry and the that shot blew me the fuck away and the music was playing there I like you should play that underneath the, this track right here while we're talking right now oh yeah that song, David Bowie's David uh, Bowie's cat man yeah cat it was people fucking great putting out the fires of gasoline brother yeah man Dude, it was it was fucking great, man. Oh it no, was dude! Foreshadowing to what's gonna come. It's, it's great. It's one of the best cut uh, montages ever. And like, man, you go back and you look at that, and I think most editors would uh, cut on the beat. Yeah, uh, that's you don't only, need it for this one. No. Yeah, it's 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 only cut on the beat on and little moments. And what they do instead is uh, the action from the actor. Yeah, it's is, the beat. Yes, that's yeah. what they're hitting those beats on, and that is a real a brilliant idea. Especially yeah. like when she's putting that red uh, yeah. eye makeup on. Da, 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 Even the the lyric of the song is something like uh, yeah. he, David Bowie's in the lyric says something like, "Oh yeah, putting something red on." You yeah. know, yeah. The the beats was the action, well the actors, not the cut. Yeah, of course, dude. It's it's uh, that what that is definitely one of the best montages ever. And dude, really, it shouldn't yeah. work because yeah. we've never like that's a piece of eighties you know music and. We have yeah. not had anything like that up until this point. point. I know, but it does work. I don't know Cause, why. Because it's Quentin Tarantino. I would not have thought of it, and I would have like even probably been like, no, I'm, I'm probably against that choice. Yeah. Dude, let me tell you how hard Better. montages are and how easy they can be so cheesy. I'm, I'm about to do this film that I'm directing. I don't have a single montage in there. I'm too scared of them. I don't like them. They're, they're so easy to fuck up. Oh, what? No, man. Mm, I want to do brilliant montages like this. And unless I get to that point where I'm making one like that, I'm not going to have any montages in my phone. 
the montage in this film is great. Yeah. But if I'm if I'm talking about this montage and the montage from the Lost Boys where they're getting ready to fight some vampires. That's a good fucking montage too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's dated and I watch it now and it's cheesy. Yeah. But when I saw it when it, it was, was released badass. in eighty seven, it was amazing. Yeah, I know, man. Hey, I, I love the fucking Lost Boys. All right, back back to this one. Chapter five. <laughs> All right, yes. Uh, uh that's a bingo. I mean, well, I mean pretty much the the plot is 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 carried out, but the, the interesting thing is is that Christoph Waltz's character is totally on to the Inglorious Bastards. He he knows what's going on. Yeah, he figures out how to use use them for his advantage. Well, yeah, yeah, I, like bag them, put them out of the cinema. He's like he's almost like letting them get away with it because he's tired of it all and he wants to get the fuck out. But there is a really weird. Well, it's not. I don't want to say. I always say weird. There is a really interesting scene where he kills yeah. the German actress. Like he yeah. strangles her to death. He doesn't have to. And he shows he shows mercy on on several the Americans, people. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in the beginning of the movie, the, the French yeah, family. Yeah, the family, yeah, yeah. You know, he gets what he wants. Yeah. But, and she, but again, they were French and the Americans and American, she was German. She betrayed everything. That's why he killed her. Yeah, I guess. You know, because he, he lets the bastards go, the ones that are still alive after the explosion and everything in the theater and they kill Hitler and everything. He lets, you know, he kidnaps Aldo Dan and, and the other guy, uh, fucking Bijanovic. I just, I can't remember his character's name. Little Man, dude. Little Man, yeah. <laughs> that's what his nickname was. Uh, little Man. Oh, that's so fucking funny. What do you mean? I'm the little, little American man. Jew? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. This uh, little American Jew is going to whip your Nazi yes. ass. Right? Yeah, so like he kidnaps him, takes him to the border where he's gonna like turn himself in or whatever it is, you know, negotiates with their commanders and that scene is fucking funny. That's the next chapter. Or is it this chapter? No, 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 yeah. This is the last yeah, chapter. This is the last the chapter, yeah. yeah. But you know, like he lets he lets them carry on their plot because he wants to get the fuck out. But you're right, he kills her because she is the only German that he got his hands on that betrayed the state. To a certain extent, it shows how fanatical that regime was. Lots of people are going to kill Hitler out because they're American, but the lady who's helping him kill Hitler was German. He's like, fuck you, you betrayed the country. Even though I'm about to betray the country, I'm going to kill you. Like, there's, there's no other reason why he killed her. I partly agree with you, but I also think that there is a little bit of... This is like sex for him. In a way, yeah. The way it's shot, it is like it's a... It's very uh, erotic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like erotic asphyxiation. Yeah. It kind of is. Yeah, it is. It is a really bizarre death and scene. It's incredibly violent, yeah. uh, but it is... that is, Google it. <laughs> the, the way it is shot, it is like a sex scene. And yeah. like even his composure afterwards, and like yeah. his hair's disheveled, and he's yeah. like breathing heavily when he answers the phone. He's like, oh yeah, get the guy in the white tuxedo. Yeah. But it is just like he had sex. Yeah. But it, then, you know, but then like uh, the, the bear Jew and Omar get in and uh, they get to kill Hitler. And that was a fantastic scene. Yes, Greg Nicotero's amazing makeup of uh, goddamn dummy getting a billion hole. Oh my god! In the face, so many bullet holes, dude, dude. When I saw that in theater and I saw it in the face, I just remember going, "Yes, he killed Hitler." But then I'm like, "Man, I wish he went out that way, (laughs) like that actual way. That would have been a better way for him to go out. Like, I wish Quentin Tarantino's alternative history was reality because that makes a better scenario than this guy killing himself with a fucking cyanide pill or whatever the fuck it is." It is brutal, bro. Yeah. Like, let me tell you what. This is the end of this movie is like literally uh, two Jewish Americans yeah. killing a room full of Nazis. Oh my god, dude! With like a theater fucking, full of Nazis. Yeah, with like submachine guns and with explosives. their like explosives, and then with Shoshana like burning down the whole fucking thing, and she dies herself because the lover comes in there and 
you know, he discovers that she's about to whatever it is, you know, and, and uh, she shoots him, he shoots her, they all die. Everyone fucking dies. Her boyfriend dies in the back because he burns the fucking film. Well, I don't know. Does the, 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 does, the, does the black French guy die? I don't know if he dies. Well, I mean, it's kind of left to assume that he is because he was back there when he threw out well, the cigarette. I would he assume that he left. No, but he stood there and he was laughing with it. I think he died. Well, he didn't know his girl was dead. Yeah, like, maybe. Hopefully he got out. Like, hopefully he's hopefully, not like... yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure their eyes beforehand, when they were about to close the cinema from the outside, when they kissed, looked at each other, and their eyes, as actors said, like, if we die, no, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Because we're both about to die. I like to think he got out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, you maybe, know. maybe he did. You know, you know. I, I like to think so. That'll be the, oh, the good happy ending in the film. <laughs> well... I don't know how happy that is. His his girl died. Yeah, that kind but, of. But you know, he's still alive. You know. Yeah, yeah. You'll find another shit on him. <laughs> You'll get another chick. You'll move on. Yeah, don't worry you, about you it. You know, you're a black guy in France. No worries. You'll find another Jewish black girl. Yeah. yeah. Stop, stop being so depressed. Whatever. It's just one. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Yeah, yeah. Plenty, plenty. Especially baby boomers about to come out. You know. Everybody oh, about oh to be fucking goodness. everybody. <laughs> And even what, even just like in the theater, first time watching the movie, I did have to wonder what does a Jewish person feel watching this film? Is is this the most satisfaction? Like, give me a time machine, I'll go back, I'll fucking implement this whole thing into action, and I'll go and fucking kill Hitler myself. You know, that's exactly what a Jewish person is thinking. Yeah, is this like the most cathartic release ever? It's like, yes. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's why this film made so many hundreds of millions of dollars. (laughs) I get to live the fantasy of my ancestors. Fuck those assholes. Yeah, opening weekend, they're like 38 million. Everyone spread the word. Hey man, fucking Brad Pitt murders the shit out of fucking Hitler. What? I'm gonna go see that. Yeah, I'm gonna see it safe seven, eight times. Yeah, you know, for a dark time in history, it is an extremely fun film. It is because it's, it doesn't follow history at all. It does not. It does not. <laughs> and it's one of the most enjoyable World War II films. And you know, not- and it's satisfying. It's sad. It's more satisfying than fucking Saving Private Ryan. Holy shit. Because oh, they know. kill Hitler oh, yeah. in this one, man. They kill but, Hitler in such an amazing way. That's satisfying on a different level, though. I know. I, I'm not saying it's the same fucking level. I'm yeah, that, that, to me, that, it is more. That's satisfying a soldier like, movie, you know. and like you know, that yeah. hits that like you know patriotism and that, that yeah, pride. brotherhood yeah. and the camaraderie, you know, comrade. Exactly. It's the military notes, um, and of course. Uh, we do have to mention Harvey Keitel is the general on the mic that uh, I knew that. How did I not? Uh, man, maybe I'm racist. I just didn't know Samuel L. Jackson was in this. But I knew Harvey Keitel was in this. No, uh, yeah, because yeah. of the voice. Yeah, he, like he Samuel L. Jackson has the most distinct voice there is. Like one of the most distinct ones. How could I not remember it? But uh, whatever. But yes. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah, the film ends in a semi happy ending for the Jewel Hunter because he gets everything he wants. He stops the war. Gets to be called a hero, gets a fucking U.S. citizenship, money, and estate, but... Does have a swastika carved they, in the fucking they, forehead. They fucking carved that on life, him. You know. Because that was, that was, you know, that was their motto is, you know, what are you going to do after the war? You're going to take off your uniform and burn it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. That's what we thought. That I can't abide. That I cannot abide by that, man. I'm going to show the world you're a fucking scumbag Nazi. <sighs> Just like the dude. Yeah. Aldo does not abide. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're at the end of our discussion of Glorious yeah. Bastards. Uh, Wahid, give us your rating out of 10. I'm, I'm going to pull a, a Jared on this one. It's an Elkins 10 out of 10 uh, scale. Uh, well, that, that's his rating scale. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like own this scale oh, or okay. anything. 
Well, I'm still gonna... unless it's like midget Elkins. You're like, you're Fuck it, I'll pay up. him. I'll pay him royalty with a beer. All right, Jared, I owe you a beer. Uh, it's an Elkins ten out of ten, and I think this is a very uh, satisfying, fun, adventurous film. Yes, different alternate history, but. Very well fucking made, beautifully shot, definitely worth the watch. All right, Final Thoughts. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably give this a 9, maybe a 10. Yeah, I, I like to rate each in movie individually on their own scale and not, not compare them to every other movie in the world. It's not my favorite Tarantino flick. I think my favorite's uh, Jackie Brown, then Pulp Fiction. This is like a, a solid 3, maybe 4. It depends on when the last time I've seen Django or Hateful Eight or sometimes Kill Bill. It depends on my mood, really, is what I'm getting at. Look, guys, this is a fun film. Super, super super entertaining dialogue is great it moves fast the editing the camera work the story the acting it's it's a master class of a great fucking film yeah it's tarantino man i mean it's what you expect from you it's the best of tarantino uh terrific movie highly recommend it if you haven't seen it watch it yeah so that's gonna do it for us tonight you've been listening to the movie crew podcast if you guys want to get in touch with us our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E at gmail.com. You guys can get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter and occasionally Instagram <laughs> at moviecrewpod. Uh, guys, and you can go on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, give us a rating. Helps people find out about Subscribe. the show. That's right. Yeah, we appreciate all that stuff. Wahid, where can people follow you, sir? Um, WAFilms.com or anywhere on social media at WAFilms. There you go. And like always, we close out the show with a little bit of the soundtrack. And I think we're going to do, since this is from pre-existing scores, I think my favorite track from the soundtrack is probably track 12, Tiger Tank from Lilo Schifrin, who, of course, we've talked about before on this podcast. He's the man that did the score for Enter the Dragon. And the track Tiger Tank is from Kelly's Heroes originally. And you know what? Fuck it. We'll, we'll also play David Bowie's Putting Out the Fire or Cat People, parentheses, Putting Out the Fire uh, from David Bowie. So there you go. Enjoy these. We'll see you next time.
Judgment made can never bend 